You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devins, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 236 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings, I'm back, and I'm here in the PTUK studio with my co-host, Matt Smith. Uh, good morning, everyone. How are we? Oh, good. Yeah, it's nice to be back. Is it? Nice yeah. Did you miss us last week? Did yeah, you? I yeah. did miss oh, you last bless. week. Guy. You know I always miss you when I'm not here. I know. But I, I'm, know. I will say, it does seem like you two had a very good show last week with, uh, with your guests. No, it was quite a quiet show, I think, wasn't it, Nev? I mean, we didn't really sort of get up to much. Yes. Uh, have we actually received the show notes from, from last week at all? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, we still haven't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. <laughs> he was so waspy, so, honestly. Yeah. The WhatsApps that were I was going like, back with some <laughs> forwards were... Having a bit of a mare last yeah, week. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> also joining us from his stately mansion, and it's uh, our king of AV, uh, it's uh, Neville Bounds. Welcome, Nev. Yes, hello everybody. Morning to you, uh, wherever you are. And uh, yes, it should be a great show today. Um, just recovering from the the AV Awards on ah, Friday night yes. in London. And I assume my obviously... voice is half, a, half an octave lower. Right. <laughs> yes, it's gone for the Barry White impression, obviously. It's, yeah. uh, yes, I assume obviously you cleared up, obviously brought home all the trophies. No, well, we were up for one uh, award with the group that I'm with, but sadly we uh, we did not prevail this year. Oh, oh but, dear. Uh, it's always next year. Oh, so, of course, uh, that's yes. true, yes. I, I like your positivity, Nev, that's the answer, yes. Glass half yes. full, not empty, winning. That's uh, it. And then on Monday of the, this week just gone, uh, was at the uh, Mercedes F1 facility in Brackley. In I North saw that. What were you doing there? Event with, uh, we're doing a quick recce for an event we're doing with Bose for some of our customers in uh, later in October. Uh, so I even got a uh, a visitor car. Oh, well. look at that! I uh, see. Wasn't that nice? So, oh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. good. Um, and uh, so yeah, it's a huge place there. Of course, they're all out in Sochi at the moment because there's a. Um, uh, a bit of a Grand Prix later on today. Who oh, is so, there? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I didn't notice. No. <laughs> a, lo- a lover of the Mercedes, Nev. I thought you were a Ford man. Yeah. Well, if they had a F1 team, that would be me. Uh, right, uh, okay. No. Yes, but they, they don't. They so, don't. Uh, in fact, actually... The engine's F1. Uh, you'll be slightly horrified here, actually, because I was in London visiting a friend yesterday, and uh, we discovered. I think we sent you the picture, Nev, didn't we? We find, basically found like a Mercedes in the banana colour, which was slightly oh, unnerving. Yes, right, yes yeah. that was a bit unnerving. Yeah. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, right. very little to do with aviation. This particular conversation. Shall we? Shall we? Um, I, I move saw. On? I saw that picture <laughs> yesterday. Actually, it made me laugh in the group chat with yeah. that picture of the uh, the banana car in the yeah, car park. Indeed. Yeah. yeah that was, that was quite good. The stuff of dreams. Yeah. Indeed. Anyway. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we. We do have a very, very special guest. He's on a bit busy. The show at the moment. He's taking a photograph <laughs> this week. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And uh, he is uh, one half of the awesome, awesome podcast, the Layovers Podcast. So we are going to welcome on the show for his first appearance on the show. Hopefully, more, many more come. It's Paul, and I'm not going to pronounce it. I'm going to ruin his <laughs> yeah, surname, yeah. but we're going to try anyway. It's Paul Papadimitriou. <laughs> Well, you said it correctly. What? Wow, Carl's got pronunciation right. This is Bravo. a momentous day. We need to write this down. <laughs> it needs to go in a diary. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Paul. How are you on this fine morning? Ah, very good. It is extremely fine morning, actually. Yeah. Um, in London, it's actually very sunny right now. Mm. How are you guys? 
Oh, uh, good. Yeah, so, so coffee another hand. night. Always grateful. Uh, <laughs> as, as one of my one of my friends always says it's like you know. I, I mean, bless him. He's, he's one of those. Do you, do you remember Adrian? Adrian, row, row, Adrian. Anyway, basically every every time you say, "Oh, hello, Adrian. How are you?" and he go, "Oh, well, you know, every day's a bonus." It's like, "Oh, well, that's nice." <laughs> anyway, sorry. I've, I, I've every day's a good day. Again, <laughs> every day's a good yeah. day with coffee. <laughs> yeah, well, that's mm. true. Yeah, absolutely. You, you seem rather sort of obsessed by the mug that I've given you this I morning. I know. I love this mug. <laughs> Matt gave me this mug this morning. I don't know why. Yes, we're it's gonna, got the Superman logo on it. For those of you listening to the audio, we're going to have to get some aviation theme mugs in right, the studio. All right, I do believe. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but no, welcome, Paul. It's uh, it's nice to have you on the show, and uh, uh, I'm a fan of the show, as though as so many people are in the uh, chat room. I think there's a yes. lot of love for the Layovers podcast in the chat room. Yeah, somebody just said you sound older than you look. <gasps> yeah, well, I don't know how I should take that one either. So, <laughs> Yeah. Again, for the record, I'm 43, so I'm like right. totally middle aged, so right in the middle, right? Right. Well, yeah, well, I'm actually, you guys are listening to you, and I just realized the entire setup you have to run this. Holy shit, that's very impressive, actually. <laughs> Indeed, it's uh, it keeps me. That there goes the YouTube rating. The uh, yeah, it's uh... oh, yeah. oops. Yeah. You know what? We've actually we were we used to swear on our show. Yeah. Because I know. I know. <laughs> until the day that uh, a father told us, "Hey, my son is listening to your oh, show." No. Every and we're like, oops! <laughs> I know. So now like, it's all good. It's all good. It's, it's, all good. it's, it's, it's a good, clean family fun. And if you are a if you are offended by what you've just heard, then uh, go and listen to something else. Frankly, bye bye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, we are going to welcome into uh, the chat room everyone who's joined us this morning. Loads and loads of names to mention on the chat room. I'm going to bring up the list of everyone in here. We've got uh, well, we've got Chris Turnbull. Hello, Chris. We've got uh, Evan Shue. Dave Abbey, uh, we have got Matthew Bunting Frame, David Kerr. Hello. That's the nice thing about because every now and again we do do like a sort of a morning show. It's quite nice actually because we get a few more the Australian of our listeners, listeners from yeah. you know sort of further Zealand, afield, yeah. which is nice. Uh, we've got uh, who else? We've got Armando's in the chat room. Hello to you, Armando. Uh, we've got Dave Abbey. Hello, Dave. Uh, John Jester is in the chat room. Chris Turnbull, Mash is in the chat room. Uh, Jeff Braithwaite, there's loads of people in here this morning. Ben, hello, good morning to you, Ben. Uh, we've got uh, Auntie Liz. Auntie Liz oh. is in a chat room. Apparently, she says it's six degrees C where she is now. Oh, so blimey. In, the, in Canada. So it's a bit chilly her way. Yeah. And I'm just going up to listen. I'm hoping I'm not missing you on Dave Abbey. Stephen Hayes, hello to you, Stephen. And um, yeah, I think I haven't. Hopefully, I've missed anyone out on probably, this. but uh, you know they'll be terribly. Oh, offended. Mariana, hello, Mariana, <laughs> and Nico as well. Nico Riga. Oh, and James Candraw as well. Right, very so good. There we go. So loads of people in the chat room today to join us for the show. So we've got a news-packed show this week. Loads of stuff to get through in the news. It's been quite a. Um, I think we can all agree it's been quite a newsworthy week this week. Oh, is it? The, in the I've, aviation I've obviously scene. missed something. Yeah. Oh, he's been under a stone all week. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or under a bus. <laughs> yeah. One of the two. <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that. Thanks. I know. But we have, uh, we've got uh, had a couple of uh, awesome segments coming up later on the show from uh, from Farnborough, which a few more interviews from Farnborough, uh, mm. as brought to us by the awesome Nev with his amazing camera. Uh, we've got some military news as well this week. And uh, we've, uh, we've obviously got uh, Paul on the show, so 
going to have a ch- good chat with Paul about uh, the show that mm. uh, he does, the awesome podcast. And uh, also, he's going to probably drop us some uh, some things about Alex that uh, we should all oh. kind of know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. are, you, are you sitting here waiting for spoilers, are you, essentially? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's rubbing his hands together. But no, thanks everyone for joining us. And uh, well, so I suppose we're going to start the show, I suppose. Yeah. We? So we are going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the new UK. So if you're ready, Matt. I am indeed, yeah. If you're ready, Nev. Oh, yes. And if you're ready, Paul. I am. Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story is on the BT.com website. I beg your pardon? I know, BT. <laughs> as, in, as in British Telecom. No, I know what it is. I, I didn't realise they're still going. I didn't realise they did aviation-related content. I, I, didn't realize B, I didn't realise they're still going. I thought BT was a thing of the past these days. He says, sat here in a studio using BT internet oh, to stream to oh, the... Okay. Anyway, but yes, carry on. So, the, uh, <laughs> the headline... Uh, I'm sorry, is, I should uh, apologise, really. I, I, I'm obviously in a bit of a weird mood this morning, so... I apologise in advance. I think, I think, it, oh, I can't I think control it's sleep deprivation. Either. Nope, nope, uh, absolutely. I've taken that away from him. I have total control. Sorry, so the um, uh, carry on. The story is uh, anyway. It's a story that broke earlier on this week. Headline: Airline now says that one is missing after the Pacific Lagoon plane crash. So it was earlier thought that all 47 passengers and crew had safely evacuated the sinking aircraft. One man is missing after a plane crash in the Pacific Lagoon in Micronesia, according to the airline operating the flight earlier saying that all th- uh, 47 passengers of the crew evacuated safely the sinking aircraft air new guinea i think is how it's pronounced said in a press release that uh, as of saturday afternoon yesterday it was unable to account for a male passenger the airline said it was working with local authorities and hospitals and investigators to find the man the airline did not immediately offer any other details about the passenger such as his age or nationality local boats help rescue other passengers and crew after the plane hit the water while trying to land at the Chuck Island Airport on Friday. Officials earlier said that uh, seven people have been taken to hospital. The airline said six passengers remained in hospital on Saturday and all of them were in a stable condition. This coffee's got something in it, I think. (laughs) The cause of the crash and the exact sequence of events remains unclear. The airlines uh, and the uh, US Navy both said the plane landed in the lagoon short of the runway. Some witnesses thought the aircraft overshot the runway. Passenger Bill Jane said the plane came in very low. And uh, he said that uh, he thought that uh, we'd landed hard until he looked out uh, and saw a hole in the side of the aircraft and water was rushing in, he said. And I thought, well, this is not the way it's supposed to have happened. Well, that's obviously not. Not normal no, no, landing. Not normal then. landing. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, he said that the uh, flight attendants were panicking and yelling, and uh, he suffered a minor head injury. He was really impressed with the locals, who immediately started coming out on small boats. He said in an interview with a missionary in Chuck Matthew Colson, who was posted online and shared with the Associated Press. The U.S. Navy said sailors working nearby on improving a wharf also helped the rescue by using an inflatable boat to shuttle people ashore before the plane sank in around 100 feet or 30 metres of water. 
Air New Guinea, or Air New, New Guinea, oh God, that's a difficult one to pronounce that one, <laughs> is the national airline of Papua New Guinea and has operated since 1973. Data from the Aviation Safety Network indicates 111 people have died in crashes of uh, P, uh, Papua November Golf registered airlines in the past two decades, but none involved this particular airline. Now, obviously, with this, uh, I saw this on the uh, news when this broke, and um, you know, it's, this kind of brought back memories of the Hudson. Uh, remember right. when, uh, when yeah. Sully landed on the Hudson River? Albeit that was in an Airbus A320, whereas this was a 737-800. Right. Um, but uh, it did float. It actually floated for a while before this uh, before, before this actually started to, yeah. to sink. But um, the pictures there, you can see. I mean, uh, the, you know, the good thing is, I suppose, that this landed in calm waters near yeah. the shore. So obviously, help was um, pretty much on on hand. Nev, yeah. what do you think about this? It looks like the water. Well, I don't know what how deep the water was, but clearly it, it wasn't uh, too critical from that point of view. And I think that the, um, as you say, it's very calm uh, as well. So, uh, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, landing on water. There's there's lots of things that can go wrong with these situations yeah. very quickly. But uh, seems as though, although clearly one person has lost their life, which is sad. But uh, yeah. clearly the whole thing was handled reasonably well by the sounds of things. So, Paul, is this an airline you've heard of? No, I, I, I'm going to be cheeky. It gives a little a new meaning to wet lease. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sorry for that one. Yeah, uh, it was bad. <laughs> Look, uh, yeah it's uh, uh, the panicking thing for me was the thing that did, for me this shows that it wasn't really going that well because apparently when the U.S. Navy approached the boat, they reported that uh, the crew was shouting and shouting and that doesn't seem to be very calm as an evacuation but you know i don't know they said somebody's dead or somebody's missing i think they're missing right the yeah, yeah they're missing so but could it yeah i don't know it's a yeah it's, it's a sad sight i mean it's a again sorry for that one it's a beautiful sight because you don't you really see a plane in a lagoon because you know the uh the, the water is very very clear i think you know what i've heard i've heard i don't know if it's true but i've heard in that region there are um, uh, potential microbursts so that could be an explanation of what they actually mm. landed short not only not only the pilot might have made a mistake but also simply the microburst could have downed the plane there was no time to react yeah yeah, yeah, it's true. It's, uh, yeah, but they were like I said, they were lucky that they had all the boats there to uh, to help them. As, um, yeah, they were very close to the shore, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good. So moving on to the next story, and uh, Matt, it's um, well, it's it's a it's a, obviously a Ryanair story. Yeah, for you. indeed. Yes, yeah, so it's on the Irish Sun, which is uh, always good news. Uh, and uh, basically, this is the moment a Ryanair pilot noticed a man running onto the tarmac. <laughs> At Dublin <laughs> Airport yesterday. So Ryanair staff and airport police stopped Patrick Cahoe, 23, at the apron while he allegedly chased and tried to flag down a flight bound for Amsterdam. Uh, <laughs> The, the, uh, Lagardier were called uh, after a pilot alerted an air traffic controller at around 7am. The pilot said, I think we have to call the authorities here. There is a passenger who is trying to get inside the airplane. Um, I, I think uh, you have to call the security right now. The air traffic controller then said the police have been contacted and they are on their way. Uh, and the pilot responded, yeah, they are already here, luckily. The, the, the air traffic controller added, uh, be careful... There are reports of a man near the Ryanair on uh, near the Ryanair on your right running around. So have an eye out. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. I do love uh, uh, a direct translation. So Cahoe was restrained and held until Gardier uh, 
uh, arrived and brought him to Ballyman Station. He was charged with criminal damage and later brought to appear before a judge uh, at Dublin District Court. He is accused of criminal damage to a magnetic door lock at Gate 106 at Dublin Airport. Uh, it's um, it's a very sort of short and sweet uh, story. Actually, I listen, uh, listen to yeah. the audio from this. What's surprising for me is that uh, someone wants to get on a, a ride. Uh, now, look, there's no need for that, is there? <laughs> Come on, play nice. Uh, but, uh, you know, hey, he's going to Amsterdam. There's, you know, you can't blame him for that. You know, it's, uh, there's lots of nice things yeah, to yeah, do yeah, there. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you did miss... I, I, I assume, I mean, the only thing is he doesn't sort of say essentially in this. I, I assume he was supposed to be on that flight anyway, and then he missed... Whether whether secu- they obviously wouldn't let him through because he'd missed the boarding window or something. That's yeah, the only there thing are other ways assume. of doing this, you know, rather than just jumping out the door. And, well, he was uh, obviously very adamant <laughs> that he was going to make that flight. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, just, I know I know the seven three seven eight hundred does have its own air stairs, so they could you know, stop and open the door it? and and put the stairs. Yeah, you know that, Matt. Honestly, how long have you been doing this show? <laughs> yeah, it's got its own uh, air stairs. Yeah, they, well, you God, you should know this. Yeah, they, they've got their own air stairs, so they could. Stop and open the door and let the guy in. But well, so you uh, open the door and then just stairs <laughs> magically appear. Yes, they do, Matt. Yes, watch the videos. Plenty on YouTube. Every single one that I've ever been on, they've taken something up to it. Yeah, well, they do it at uh, at the airports, which have the infrastructure to have um, the, uh, the the what they call them, the okay. tunnel right. things. I forget now. I'm going to get coffee's got something in. But I when I listen to the audio because they've got they've got the uh, ATC audio on the, on this particular story and it is on um, mm. is on various websites and that. But uh, the the pilot does she, uh, seem kind of well, not not to say shocked. It, when he listened to his voice, it is, it's also it, almost as if uh, the pilot was kind of expecting this to happen. Really, you know, uh, right? Oh, okay. Someone's going to run out and uh, trying to get on the aircraft. Okay. Uh, there's a guy here trying to get on. Yeah, okay. send the police. Thank you very much. We don't. I don't know. This this might play. It might not. I'm not sure. I'll give it a try. Hang on, because we have got it in front of me, but I'm not sure if it will play. So give me a second. Yeah, I think we have to call the authorities here. There's a passenger that is. Uh, to get inside the airplane, uh, I think they have to call the security right now. There's no audio coming out. There was no audio? I can hear it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you, you might yeah. not have been able to hear it there, but it, uh, no, it was uh, it was interesting audio. It's always good to hear the audio from the ATC, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those things. When this is not the first time this has happened, where someone has kind of uh, run out onto the uh, yeah, onto there the was apron. A, you you remember guys in uh, Malaga? I think it was in January. There was this guy who tried also for a Ryanair flight. He tried to he actually jumped from a disconnected bridge uh, to try to catch his uh, Ryanair flight as well. Yeah, wow. I remember seeing that one. And there was there wasn't <laughs> the one where the guy was out on the he just popped the um, overwing exit and, and kind of got. Oh out yeah, 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 because yeah. they, they they were sat on the tarmac. Too long <laughs> yeah. and he wasn't happy about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I, I, you do feel a bit sorry for them because it always seems to be one of the low cost airlines where these sort of things are happening, <laughs> don't you? I mean, yeah, you never you never see uh, anyone yeah. doing this with BA Nev. No. That, that's it. It's no, definitely not. Well, and also, I think a lot of it is because they've paid so much for their damn ticket. They're actually they're actually there really early to make sure they don't miss it because mm. it's just like, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being controversial again. Oh, dear. Apologies. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to the next story. Now, Nev, obviously this is a BA story for you, and uh, it's quite a, quite, a, quite, a, quite, a, quite a posh story, this one, I think, Nev. It is, and can you imagine? You know, we're, we're now branching out into the world of fashion on uh, PTUK uh, because 
yes, Oswald Botang is going to design the new BA uniforms. And uh, BA has confirmed that the British designer Oswald Botang, OBE, will create new designs for its 32,000 uniform wearing staff. Rumours of new uniforms to coincide with the Carrier's centenary celebrations in 2019 were discussed uh, on the Business Traveller Forum earlier this year. And BA has now confirmed that Botang will follow in the line of designers, including uh, Paul uh, Costello, Roland Klein, Backart Weatherall, Hardy Amis and Julian MacDonald in designing the new threads. In a release, BA said that Botang will be working closely with the airline's employees throughout the development process, from shadowing them to understand their roles and how the uniforms need to perform to design, testing and final delivery. Commenting on the news, Alex Cruz, BA's chairman and CEO, said that our uniforms have been an iconic symbol of our brand throughout our 100-year history and our partnership with Oswald will take us forward to the next chapter in our journey. At a time when we're investing for customers, uniforms are a visual representation of investment in our people, and we want to want them to feel proud when they wear the new uniform. Uh, noting that BA employs around 45,000 people, but only uh, 32,000 of these wear uniforms from flight crew and cabin crew to, to customer service agents, special services, ramp operators, baggage handlers, cargo employees, and engineers. And a BA sister carrier, Aer Lingus, has also recently announced plans for new uniforms to be created by Irish fashion designer Louise Kennedy as part of a refresh which will see a new brand identity launched next year. Well, it's all good, isn't it? And um, uh, they've got to do these refreshes, obviously, from time to time. But can you imagine the cost of doing this for so many people uh, with all the design costs? 32,000. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask both of you this, actually, Nev and Paul, because obviously you both travel a lot on airlines and stuff, especially with BA, Nev. Mm -hmm. But uh, how important is the look of of the of the uh, cabin crew? You know, uh, Nev, for you, obviously, you know, how important is the look of yeah, group. I mean, really, we shouldn't be too bothered about it because as long as the thing gets us from A to B, you know, in safety and comfort, that's okay. But actually, uh, I think it is important the 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 look and feel of of how people are with you. Uh, you know, they've got to look professional, and so yeah, I think the uniform does play uh, quite a big part of it, certainly. And Paul, obviously, you travel on many different airlines across the globe, and you've got a friend there with you. Yeah, my cat <laughs> has just decided to jump on my lap. Right, I think she's angry. <laughs> It's fine, don't worry. I agree. I, I totally agree. I think the, um, I mean, it's not the most important. Right now, I'd, I'd like BA to invest a little bit more in IT, for instance, but um, <laughs> yes, yeah, it yeah. actually oh. it actually does matter. Uh, it, it, if only for their brand recognition, you, you, you want to know when you meet someone that is, he or she is from BA. And uh, BA's current uniforms are a bit tired, so yeah, why not? That's you while they do it, while they're doing it. It's, uh, I think it's not the most important, but having... You know, feeling you're part of a brand when you're entering an aircraft, whether that's Ryanair, EasyJet, BA, or Cathay Pacific, is actually quite important. Yeah, mm. and they, they look pretty cool. Uh, I hope I hope they will look uh, pretty modern. Yeah. Yeah, BA is a great airline. I really want them to succeed, no matter all the bad stories we keep hearing about them. <laughs> yeah. it's mainly peddled by us, it has to be said. <laughs> 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 no, I, I think there's quite a few. There's a few airlines that do have rather dull uniforms. I've found over the years, but oh um, yeah. Um, but no, I mean most of that. I mean even some of the the smaller airlines and stuff do do try when it comes to uh, having their staff looking presentable 
yeah. aircraft. So, so I've, I've actually seen uh, the best one. I was at Charles de Gaulle maybe like a month ago, and I've seen um, the uniform of an airline called Air Austral. They do like a oh, lot of the yeah. you know, French islands or whatever. They look like uniforms for the 1950s, and it's pretty cool, actually. You know what? It's At the end of the day, I'd rather have something that stands out a little bit. Um, the worst for me is uh, Austrian Airlines. I don't know if you've seen that. They're all in red, like literally you know, everything red from the shoes to the every hmm. It's horrible. It's really horrible. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Can you, can you remember, cast your mind back, like quite a few years now, back to the, the 70s and 80s, to remember the airline court line? Uh, by name, I remember oh, yes. it. Yeah. 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 I was they, flying back then. <laughs> yeah, they, they were, um, their, their aircraft, they, I mean, they had, um, they had a few different aircraft in their fleets, one of which is the TriStar, funnily enough. Oh, dear. Um, but uh, they, they, their <laughs> colours of their aircraft, they had orange, peach coloured, yellow, yeah, yeah. and all kind of really psychedelic colours. And uh, I remember seeing the photo on, on uh, one of the pages of their, the crew, and they had a similar kind of, you know, peachy psychedelic orangey colored uniforms just wonder how well they'd go down today <laughs> but uh no moving on to the next story and uh this is for you paul and uh, it's quite a, a celebrating story for for one power for a few passengers anyway yeah i like that i mean it's uh allegiant that's a low-cost airlines in the u.s and uh that's uh wthhair.com that reports that they were uh, they were celebrating their fourth 40th millionth passenger on wow. a Florida route. Uh, so obviously that passenger was celebrated. But then at the gate uh, of that specific flight, the crew announced that every single person on that flight would get a refund for their flight. And I found wow. that pretty cool. And you see the video of people, of course, rejoicing. And this, this one lady like jumps up and down all the time. Uh, it's a cool story. You know, it's, we keep hearing, especially about, oh, there's the video. You keep hearing like these very um, almost like sad stories. We just heard about people running on you know tarmacs to catch a flight with Ryanair, or you know rude passengers, or people being deplaned by United every single day, or you know they also kill dogs, by the way. And uh, so when you hear these kind of stories, it's really nice. I like it. Yeah, it's always nice to see. It. And I think um, with Allegiant, because Allegiant have had their um, their problems in the past. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think for the airline to do something like this is kind of, uh, it's, it's nice. It's, it's one of those um, feel-good stories, I think, mm. for, especially, if you're, especially if you're a passenger and you, pl you, you, know, you paid uh, money for a flight and then to have that reimbursed for you as kind oh, of free flights. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's good going. Thing, isn't it? Yeah. Perhaps who, who, this, who, <coughs> shot the, who shot the video on this? Was it a wasp or something? Certainly wasn't on your camera, Nev. No. That's for sure. <laughs> no. Perhaps no. this perhaps this is something that BA needs to do, Nev, just just once or, or, or you know, every now and again. <laughs> yeah, because they're quite a I mean they're quite a conservative airline really, aren't they? They don't yeah. redo sort of big high fives and, and whooping and, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, uh, that's may, maybe that's they terribly un-British. I mean of come on, you can't do stuff. <laughs> British Airways, you can you know, it's all got to be very sensible and sort of, you know, <laughs> You know, suits and jackets and, things, and waistcoats. You know, smoking jackets and waistcoats. Yeah. You know, not um, no. Okay, fair enough. Do they, do they do the bow ties with the BA stuff? Beautiful. I can't remember now. Do they, do they do the bow ties or ties? Uh, I haven't or seen ties. them. No, no. no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Okay, moving on uh, to the next story. And uh, this uh, this one is, uh, well, it's kind of a story that we cover every now and again on the show. And uh, this one is on the uh, uh, iflscience.com website. And uh, for those of you who travel frequently, Paul, Nev, um, the safety briefings and cards. It's the headline on his story is most people can't remember even the most basic airline safety briefings can you so when it comes to life-saving airplane safety information an alarming number of people aren't able to remember even the most basic tidbits according to a study published in the international journal of aerospace psychology remember that photo yes i do showing nearly every person aboard a southwest airlines emergency landing plane wearing their oxygen masks the wrong way yes i do remember (laughs) that Uh, Researchers were interested in seeing whether people were more likely uh, to remember important safety information depending on how it was delivered. They divided a group of 162 university students into five groups, uh, one with no briefing and four that received the legally required safety briefing uh, through either audio, video, uh, audio or live demo as well, plus video and live demo, accounting for people who fly more than others. uh, Overall, the results were bad. Native English speakers remembered 49%, while non-native English speakers recalled just 27%, regardless of how they received the safety information. These high, uh, results highlight the limitations associated with the way many airlines present uh, and deliver their pre-flight safety briefing, um, wrote the authors. IFL Science spoke with Jeff De Temple, a pilot with nearly 30 years commercial experience, who said that people should always pay close attention because all aircraft are different very true by far participants were most familiar with the workings of an oxygen mask most knew that their mask would appear in the case of an emergency and that they should only help others after having secured their own mask first however just one third knew how to secure their mask in place and over the mouth and nose mouth and nose and with the strap around the head or how to operate it and give it a tug to start the flow of oxygen. Even fewer knew how oxygen was distributed, uh, uh, which differs from crew and passengers in the main cabin. Oxygen is chemically generated uh, and stored in each overhead compartment in case the aircraft fills with smoke or for obviously a uh, decompression. Pilots have special pressurized systems that stores oxygen in tanks near the cockpit. Now obviously there's some pictures here. Uh, with the story, with the various pictures showing, which I think most of us have seen on board. Well, well, I always read the card, and I've you know flown on a, a hundred and one different aircraft and different various types and stuff many times. But you know, I, I always pay attention. I always make a point of saying to to my wife Gemma, you know, to always watch the safety briefing and uh, always make a note of where your nearest exit are. But it's an important part of flying. Don't we all agree, guys? Yeah, definitely. And I think that um, uh, although I don't read the card every time uh, because I tend to fly on similar types of aircraft most of the time, I always have a look to see where the exit is. And sometimes obviously it's directly behind you as well. Mm -hmm. That will be the the nearest one. And I work out uh, the various weights of people that are in front of me. So if I do have to get out, uh, how much, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, keenness I'm going to require to, uh, to climb over these <laughs> to people to get out of the way to get out yeah. first yeah yeah quite yes absolutely yes every man for themselves essentially yeah yes uh, but um, no uh, and uh, that that's uh, you know that that's where a lot of delays c- can happen really isn't it but uh, no I I'll, I look I watch every single 
safety briefing and um and i think people should because that's uh that's what it's all about it's our safety yeah i mean I, I know we i know we do sort of get a bit fed up with these these videos don't we that they keep doing where they're, they're sort of <laughs> you know sort of like with the celebrity ones which i know ba is quite famous for doing and and stuff like that but they do make if you haven't seen them before they do make you watch them i don't you know mm. I, whether I, you remember what's on them yeah, but they do make you watch. Them, whether, yeah. yeah, whether you're just essentially remembering the famous person that appeared in it rather than the actual content or not, I, 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 I guess we're still a bit on the fence of that. I mean, what, what, what? How do you feel about them, Paul? It's it's a difficult balance, right? Because if you have very dull videos, people will not watch them. If you put, yeah. I, I like the new, the BA ones, but if they're too entertaining, are you just not focusing on? Yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, there's also a thing. I mean, they some of them tell you, okay, where's the that was in the article? Where's the actual you know uh, life vest? And yeah. on some aircraft, there's like depending where you're seated, there's like yeah. twenty different ways you can reach it, and they don't actually show you. They just no. say it might be under your yeah. seat on it the next seat, seat above your seat on yeah. like uh, on the overhead bit or you have to run for your life on your on your own it's it's um it's a difficult one i i prefer actually i think i pay more attention when the crew is actually doing it which doesn't yeah. scale easily which obviously it's a large aircraft a wide body yeah. but i think people pay more attention because it's a human being doing it and especially yeah. on short haul you have these tiny screens that get tinier and tinier and you don't see anything and you don't really care the thing though for us and that's not the we're not the right public Right, because we are aware of this, we will uh, point out. You know, Alex, actually, my co-host on layovers, will because I've, I've, I've flown with him, will actually tell me, and he tells that no matter who's the passenger next to him, he will point out to the nearest exit because he says, "Whatever, I want the next passenger not to block me," because we usually yeah. both sit in the window. But it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's a tough one, but that's where the, the critical, we can go back to the first story about this Air New Guinea thing. Yeah. Uh, the critical bit is really the, the staff, because when a plane crashes, water crashes, land crash, whatever that is, they will be the ones actually giving the right directives for you to kind of jolt your memory, and that time you have to be aware. And the last bit I'll say is that, we're also very lucky that we speak English, either yeah. native or you know, completely, because I, I fly in some remote parts of the world, and uh, you know you cannot do the the announcement in twenty seven languages. Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, and some people will miss stuff. And if you fly only twice a year, either you are very cognizant and you will be actually listening because you're so stressed out that you might miss something, or you might just don't realize that it's important. You know, yeah. it's it's not fun to be honest with you. But any other day, people, it seems that all the latest incidents people were evacuated under the 90 second limit so it seems to be working yeah yeah actually ben just said point out something quite good in the chat room actually ben in the chat room said that um that obviously people noticing things but not if they've got their portable device on and are not yeah. paying attention i mean which, you're not supposed yeah. to have them on are you you know but i guess unless they physically check every single person sat on their seat there I, are a lot of people sat there literally with actually, their headphones in sort of stuck in listening aren't they yeah I, right. re I remember flying back from Oman a few years back mm. um, with Emirates and um, remember seeing, actually no it was BA, sorry it was BA and uh, we're on the Dreamliner, the Dash 9, I remember sitting there and there's a guy in front of us, a few seats in front of us and he was actually on Skype, Skyping someone <laughs> while, oh while the wow. safety demo was being done and the the crew, I mean, they they told him about six thousand times to turn his thing off, mm. but he was adamant that he was going to Skype this person literally until 
you know, we started to to move, you know, to push back uh, to taxi and stuff. But I it mean, was skyping though. I mean, there's two, there's two two things of that. Obviously, the distraction and not watching the video, yada yada. But also, the other part of me is thinking, I thought that sort of thing was not allowed in Oman. So how was he skyping in the first place? I know. I, know. <laughs> I think I think the, I think the crew also doesn't want to be, become a police, right? It's no, uh, no, they have already so much stuff to deal with, and as Ben said. Yeah. You know, sometimes in even Emirates, which has for me by far, I think the most, the best safety video as far as it tells exactly where the stuff is. It shows like yeah. how you should act in first, how you should act in business, how you should act in economy. It tells you everything. So it's very well done. But the crew cannot just, you know, even so, sorry, even Emirates has reduced the staff on some of their routes now. So they cannot do everything. So mm. if you have like, I don't know, 400 passengers and like two are listening and one is Skyping, what the hell are you going to do? Yeah. You know, it's like uh, they're having a hard time already, and uh, that's maybe not the primary concern. Like some airlines, and BA does that, I don't remember, but KLM, which I've flown rec uh, recently to Taipei, they will keep telling you, please remove your headphones for the entire yeah. duration of the taxiing and the takeoffs and everything. And they will actually be, you know, Dutch people can be very imposing, and they will actually police that. <laughs> Indeed, uh, is uh, yeah. mind you, uh, as I say, a, a friend of the show. He quite he quite often used to say. Actually, used to find it, the Italians were quite often uh, quite challenging, especially with their bags. Uh, <laughs> and God help you if you touch them. But anyway, actually, yeah, one it, one of our one of our senior uh, cabin crew in the chat room, Owen, yes, has yes. said that uh, nothing pisses him off more when people don't pay attention to the safety video. Yes, yeah, yeah. Or the yeah. demo even. I mean yeah. that that's that's the worst or thing the demo, if they're yeah. not even paying attention yeah. to the demo. Uh, but you know what the demo sorry to to, to interrupt I know yeah, you no, want no, to move on guys but the, the demo the personal demo and I know it doesn't scale Ben had a good point on the chat but yeah. the fact that I, f I will find it rude not to see someone Whereas I would be maybe less caring about looking yeah. at a video. Mm. And I'm not saying I'm not because I'm paying attention. But again, we're not the public here. We, I'm going to just watch it because I find them usually entertaining. Yeah. But because if it's someone, you might be a bit more rude by not looking. I know it's very cultural, but I will actually take a look at what they do, even though I fly all the freaking time and I yeah. pretty much know. But, you know, and one thing you have to do, guys, if you've never done it, I don't think BSLE proposes it anymore. You can do these trainings, these courses when you go and they make you in a fake plane right and they make you sit and then they they switch off the lights and say okay find the emergency exits and if you haven't counted the number of seats backwards or upwards compared to where you seated honestly there's no way to find the emergency exits it's really scary do you find for the first time like oh how would i so now i not only see where the emergency exit is but i will count the number of rows that i will have to touch with my hand to reach that ah. exit mm. okay very good. Oh, very good. good. Very yeah. good pearls of wisdom yes. there, Paul. So that's, uh, for a nervous flyer, that's making me feel great. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, next story, Matt, is, uh, yeah. is, is one okay, for you so on the independent.co.uk. Surprise, surprise. So we're back with Ryanair. And, of course, the other big story <laughs> this week uh, has More. unfortunately been involving yeah. them. And it's Ryanair strike 250 flights cancelled in walkouts. So Ryanair cancelled 250 flights, affecting around about 40,000 people passengers that's a frightening number isn't it ahead uh, of a coordinated one day strike on friday the 28th of september by pilots and cabin crew in spain portugal belgium the netherlands italy and germany various unions called for their members to stage a 24-hour walkout from 12 a.m gmt on friday the 28th of september although pay is a factor the majority of unions seem to be lobbying most strongly for a transition from workers being employed on irish contracts and subject to Irish legislation to their own country 
country's labour laws. Um, it's uh, it's sort of a bit of a tricky one. Hang on, sorry. There's a lot of tweets that have all been. Uh, is what's going on here? Sorry, oh, this is a slightly odd story, uh, but anyway, you sort of roughly get the gist. So we'll, we'll go with the latest pieces. So the key points on Friday, the twenty eighth of September, Ryanair called uh, cancelled two hundred and fifty flights affecting forty thousand passengers. An extra seven thousand passengers were advised to consider rebooking. Uh, Europe's largest airline has accused competitor airline employees of stirring up the unions. That's not a sensible or wise move, is it? Uh, so Ryanair has accused rival airlines of stirring up the unions responsible for Friday's industrial action. In a statement, the beleaguered low-cost airline said, in Spain, a Norwegian cabin crew member in Alicante is uh, driving the strike. <laughs> wow, this really is a bit... Uh, yes, in Portugal, a TAP cabin crew is calling for strikes without the support of our Portuguese cabin crew. And in Italy, where Ryanair yesterday signed a CLA agreement with the... Th what does CLA mean? Anybody know? Anyway, they signed a CLA agreement with the three main cabin crew unions. This threatened uh, strike has been called by a tiny union which has no recognition or support amongst our Italian cabin crew. So I'm not sure... I'll I'm tell you what, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see just how long this is going to continue. And they've not um, had a good summer. I think, I think it's safe to yeah. say they've not had a great summer when it comes to... Uh, have, you, have you flown... Uh, I'm guessing you, you have flown Ryanair before, uh, Paul. Oh yeah, it's really not my favorite. I, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of EasyJet. Ryanair is off and on, but uh, so CLA is the the collective labor agreement. I guess. Uh -huh. uh, ah, right. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Ryanair can't get a break, right? <laughs> it's yeah. uh, but I, I mean, come on, it's it's the uh, it's the almost like the allegory of our current situation for any kind of jobs, you know, zero hours contracts and, you know, gig economy. And yeah. so uh, I, I, to be honest, I don't know. I, I, the reason I don't like to fly them is before first I find the 737 snugger. I'd rather have a 320 on short haul because it's slightly more space in the cabin in general. So the seats will be actually slightly bigger, mm. but the, um, it's also because I don't know for some reason they're always late and they always like have like ungodly delays and and also I live south of London uh, southwest which you know Gatwick is closer so EasyJet yeah. will be my, my favorite going to Stansted for me it takes forever so there's also simply that practical issue but yeah I, I, Ryanair I don't know guys what you think about this but also that Ryanair is very good at yeah, I don't know if you follow them on Twitter they're very good at every single day basically pointing out at all the ATCs in Europe that are doing such a bad job that explains why they're so late. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is that. Uh, yes, you, you, don't get, you don't get this with BA, do you, Nev? Huh? Well, no, but to be fair to Ryanair, which I'm not normally, but... Whoa. They, I mean, but uh, has everyone sat down so for this? Hang on. Brace yourselves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're doing so many sectors per day yes, with are. very yeah. tight turns around. Yeah, so the right. slightest delay of any sort, whether it's crew... Yeah flight crew, technical, uh, ground problems, whatever, the, the, um, uh, the knock-on effect is just enormous. And if that ha happens at the beginning of the day, say for a six o'clock flight, then w with their uh, schedules, that, that you can never recover that. So it just gets worse yeah, the and worse. Effect, yeah. Add in a bit of weather and yeah. a bit of, you know, some other bits and pieces that, and, and you've had it ready. So, yeah. uh, uh, John, so, yeah, John, just... don't, don't do those, those 25 minutes. Uh, turn those turnarounds, no, indeed. Uh, John Jester is actually saying in the chat room here. He said their labour setup is shocking. Uh, they need to be forced to employ their crew, not contract them. But I, I, I mean, the only thing I would sort of say against that is, I mean, that th th I, I can understand why they they do it because essentially they're almost appearing. Um, 
they're, they're almost appearing essentially as sort of uh, sort of self-employed, I guess, in that respect. But my understanding is that's actually quite a commonplace practice within the industry. Is that is that correct? I don't know, Paul. You might know more about that. Than for me. Uh, for low cost, uh, there, yes. I mean, that's there's a reason why uh, Norwegian, for instance, installed one of its bases in Ireland, just for tax reasons and for that as well. Yeah. They couldn't they couldn't have that kind of contract, I believe, in Norway itself. Uh, so, I mean, that's the EU. Nothing here yeah. to talk about against the EU, but <gasps> you, you're allowed to place your base pretty much anywhere you want. Yeah. And some countries have more lax labor laws or uh, than yeah. others. And then, but you, you see, you see, even if you have that, at the end of the day, uh, crew and pilots will t- tend to unionize because if yeah. you know, Ryanair is the biggest airline in Europe, there's yeah. no way they were not going to unionize. So as much as Ryanair wants to fight this, at the end of the day, yeah. they probably will have, and they've already signed some union. Yeah. Agreements. There are some, some agreements in place, area, aren't right? they? So yeah. They, it, I think it's just the fact that they tr- they're just delaying the impossible. They, 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 it will. Uh, sorry, the the inescapable. It will be there. They will have some type of labor contracts. But the zero hours contracts are not going away either. That's the economy we're living in. Yeah. They will be at least for the crew. You know, the the people we see less, uh, whether the turnaround crews and stuff, that will continue. We live in a world of outsourcing, and maybe it's bad. I, I'm not in favor of that, but I mean, this yeah. is just reality. And when you have, when you need to fight with you know, Norwegian and all Wizz Air and all these guys are fighting, and even and then that's, that explains the problem that BA or France have. It like, how can they reduce their cost? I mean, you cannot fight zero hours contracts like this and have legacy system, legacy contracts. On, I don't know. It's t- it's a tough one. It's honestly a tough one. On a human, on a human level, I don't like it, but on a yeah. business level, I, I get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can you can see why they're using that particular model. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But strangely, strangely, that's why I don't know exactly the setup because I've not looked into it. The setup of EasyJet, but it feels to me that the crew at EasyJet is always happier. I don't know yeah. if that's the correct word. I, I, I think actually, and also, I mean, I, I know several people who have recently flown with Jet Two, and they've they've literally said like, jet, they're literally the happy. They're, they're like. Uh, and uh, this sounds really strange, but they're like normal cabin crew. You know, the cabin crew that you remember, who, who, you know, when you got on a BA flight or, or whatever. I mean, and it's, uh, I mean, presumably, Nev, that's been your own experience, like with BA. Again, you're used to a certain level of cheeriness, I suppose, almost. I mean, you don't get grumpy cabin crew. Yeah, there is. And, and uh, you remember that, you know, they're, they're dealing with all sorts of things, you know, during yeah. the day. And, and they are very long days. You know, they're, they're very early starts, late finishes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they're all human beings. At the end of the day. I, I, would, I would add, though, that on BA, my, my particular experience is that I find the short haul crew probably the best in Europe because they always fine and fun yeah. and they have the hardest because they have these kind of back and forth type of routes the long haul ones i'll be for me the average uh, i mean you always have the one or two or three or four really good crew that stand out but on general and, and i know that uh, ba uses different contracts as well so they're multiple levels yeah uh, so some people have been there for a long time and they're protected and some newer people have not so it's a it's also a complex matter um, it's 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 not fun. I've actually just an anecdote. I've met um, maybe a year ago um, a crew from I think it was American Airlines United. I can't remember. They do Chicago to Heathrow, uh, and they were telling me they're not giving any food. They oh. have to fight for the scraps of the passengers, and that was accepted because after you know nine eleven plus the yeah. financial crises, no matter the the unions, they had to save the airlines, so they accepted 
in the the negotiation not to have any i mean come on no food for a flight that is seven to eight hours what that what that that, that, does, that doesn't seem very fair does it almost no. yeah no yeah it's a long old flight i i i, I is that going to last very long i mean surely surely people are going to sort of you know complain with their feet essentially and go elsewhere yeah, yeah. Mm. So the next story, Nev, it's uh, one for you about the world's, well, five-star airlines. Yeah, it's on the travel9.com.au website, and uh, it says that the world's plushest airlines have been honoured at this year's Apex Awards, with passengers rating their flight experience on a five-star scale. You might want to snag a seat on one of these airlines the next time you embark on a long haul, so just 25 of 500 carriers worldwide has been granted uh, a five-star status, which is wow. up from just 14 last year and uh, some of the winners uh, are LATAM Airlines, uh, the only South American uh, airline to pick up a five-star rating. LATAM was recognized for its high level of service and will soon be revamping two-thirds of its global fleet with a 400 million US dollar investment. Uh, so it's up and up for this plush airline. And for Qantas, it's the only Aussie airline to make the list. Uh, the national carrier proves again and again it can play with the big boys, consistently pushing boundaries with their in-flight offerings uh, with uh, such innovations as anti-jet lag meals and cabins. Uh, oh, Qatar wow. Airways, uh, surely the fastest growing airline on the planet. More recently, this plush UAE carrier has been turning heads with its posh new business class offering, the Q Suite, with critics praising it as the closest thing to first class with business prices. It's no wonder that they were awarded five stars by passengers. Uh, and uh, number five out of these is uh, the uh, Asiana Airlines and the South Korean, Korean carrier, one of two major ones, including Korean Air, has a long history of impeccable service. And this year's no difference with the carrier holding on to its five-star status. And Emirates, as well as leaving uh, with five stars, the uh, UAE airline was recognized with a best entertainment gong for the second year running following continuous investment in its in-flight entertainment system. Aeroflot, a uh, Russian national carrier, has nabbed five-star status for the second year running. The airline was also awarded the best seat comfort uh, in Europe uh, by Apex, so they must be doing something right. Air Canada, uh, Canada's d largest domestic and international airline, which serves more than 220 airports on six continents, uh, is also the nation's only five-star rated airline. Air New Zealand, uh, New Zealand's highly awarded national carrier, walked away with a cool five stars plus an award for best original audio, best in-flight connectivity innovation following the launch of its in-flight uh, Wi-Fi product uh, and, and unsurprisingly, best safety video. <laughs> ANA, All Nippon Airways, a J Japanese carrier, was recognized for its high quality standards and was awarded five stars. Uh, American Airlines, uh, the world's largest airline, collected five stars, as well as announcing a new food partnership with Zoe's Kitchen and a new headset partnership uh, with Bang & Olsen following the exit of Bose. Uh, Cathay Pacific, Hong, Kong, Hong Kong's flag carrier, has also ranked highly amongst the world's airlines, often uh, nabbing a top five spot, so it was no surprise to see them as a five-star rating for 2019. China Airlines, often praised for their high level of service, they also picked up five stars. And Delta Airlines was also recognized for its uh, superior services. 
Etihad uh, on off the back of reports that the airline will be merging with UAE rivals Emirates. Uh, Etihad proved that it can hold its own with a five-star rating. Eva Air, Eva Air sorry, the, uh, the Taiwanese carrier uh, consistently received five-star certifications and this year was no different. Finnair uh, renewed its business class service com concept, uh, uh, debuted the, the new menu partnership with top chefs and rejigged its long-haul economy class meal offerings so it's no wonder that they were uh, awarded a five-star rating. Garuda Indonesia, uh, their flag carrier, uh, also, uh, also held on to a five-star rating this year. And Japan Airlines, lo known locally as Nikko, the Japanese carrier was also recognized for its high standards uh, with five stars. Same with Korean Air as well, they also nabbed five stars. Uh, and Lufthansa too. The German ha uh, powerhouse was also the first European airline to score a Skytrax five-star certification. And it seems they've never looked back, picking up five stars at Apex. Uh, Singapore Airlines, same story there, consistently ranking among the best airlines in the world. And uh, same with Swiss Airlines too. Uh, the uh, Switzerland's national carrier did them proud by maintaining five stars for 2019. Turkish Airlines are doing very well too. They're operating uh, services to 302 destinations around the world. And Turkey's slick carrier has been busy carrying out a number of projects to boost its product quality and clearly it's paid off. And uh, Virgin Atlantic consistently recognized for its excellent passengers awarded this international carrier five stars. And finally, Austrian Airlines, uh, their national carriers also picked up five stars. But sadly, no BA. No BA in the list. Yeah. <laughs> so you read through all Maybe of that. Maybe they awarded them four and a half stars. Perhaps. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> they were nearly there. Yeah, Any of these stand out for you, yeah. Paul? Because obviously you've travelled traveled globally with uh, in, in most classes on most airlines. Yeah, so I've flown 23 out of these 26, actually. Wow. And uh, I've flown these 23. I've tried business class on all these 23. So, yeah, I that's. I, I mean, that's the problem with these kind of lists. I don't know what's the methodology behind these Apex awards. But first of all, the experience you have in business class, obviously in first, is really not the same than economy. And it can yeah. be, for instance, like, let's say... Uh, uh, Emirates economy is pretty good, I think. You know, there's kind of mm. good leg room. The seats are not too snug. And of course, the front is also pretty cool. Uh, the, the 380 is probably better than the 777. But then you have other airlines when the front will be awesome. Um, and then you have the back when it's actually super snug. And so who who actually votes for these awards? I'm not sure. Because if you're only frequent flyers and you have status and you have all the good experience and I'm one of them, and obviously I will tell you, oh, the best airline in the world, you know, Singapore and Cathay Pacific and... But then if you are in the back, it might be different. So I would almost want these kind of awards to have like a separate section for how do you feel in the back and how do you feel in the front? Because Good. my experience, yeah. I'm lucky. I fly 80% of my time in, the, in business class, either because I'm upgraded or because my clients, my clients pay for it. So I'm really, I'm privileged and I don't have the same experience as the vast, 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 vast majority of the people. And the, the other thing I will say of these awards is that the consistency of, the, of an airline is also a, a question for me because... Uh, you mentioned Turkish. I love I love Turkish. The triple seven product is really good, but then you fly their older aircraft and they have a totally different experience. You know, they have so many different aircraft and so many different routes that if you keep flying just Heathrow to Istanbul and there's two routes per day with the triple seven, I think then oh well, this is awesome. And then but if you want to fly a different time because it's also slightly cheaper because they know it's a other aircraft, then you have not the same experience. And uh, they have, for instance, 26 different 
IFEs running at the same time on their fleet. And the, I find the one triple seven one the best ever, and the other ones are just crap. Um, sorry for my <laughs> part of my French here. So it's really it's really hard with these awards things to 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 decide. I think clearly Singapore amazing, Cafe amazing, amazing. Emirates, good. I would give them four out of five. Uh, Qatar is another very good example, actually. The Q Suite is one of the best thing in the world ever. Mm. But I mean, it's only retrofitted on a few triple sevens. Uh, and we're always lucky if you live from London and you fly business class, you will always have the latest product. Mm. But then you've tried to fly a 330 and a 340 from Qatar Airways in business class. And the seats are like snug as... I mean, yeah. it's crazy. I couldn't. I couldn't sleep well. I, 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 I slept well, uh, better on United and KLM, which for me are like very average airlines. They're good, mm. but they're average and not like you know the top class. So yeah, like um, I, I, I pretty much agree with the list, yeah. but I would not be ranking. And at, at least it's better than Skytrax, which seems to be sometimes a bit pay to play. You know, like right. still, Some, oh, we're a five star airline. Like how is Lufthansa a five star airline? Mm. Uh, mm. Their business class is clearly not up there and but they're already a five-star airline and they only got that because they promise that they will have a new business class by 2020 uh, how, yeah. how does that work <laughs> or somebody paid some money perhaps yeah exactly but, anyway. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, yeah it's it's an interesting wow what what's some well that's perhaps, some perhaps that's what yeah. we should do on the show next guys is that oh. we should have no listen we should have uh, a p2k listener poll Obviously, because for all our listeners who travel, oh okay, uh, yeah. on yeah. what airline they think has the best economy, a best economy. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Perhaps we should Ooh, do that. Perhaps we should do yeah. that. Okay, all right. We'll do yeah. that in time we'll, for Christmas. We'll think of that one. We? Yeah, yeah, for Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, that's, that was uh, that was interesting. Mm. So but also, sorry to interrupt you. I know because this is my favorite part. Obviously, that's what we talk about the layovers, a lot yeah, of the yeah. passenger experience. But imagine, I don't know about you guys, but if you have status on BA. And even if you fly economy, you'll have the very front, the bulkhead seat in front of the economy class. So you'll have a slightly better, you know, leg room and your experience is going to be better. You might even have access to the lounge. So you'll say, yeah, it's pretty good. But then if you fly twice a year, where, whichever airline you fly, you have, that's the actual reality. That's the, that, those are the kind of people we should ask, not us, basically. <laughs> so, I mean, is, is that your experience, Nev, would, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think with um, because I fly a lot of BA, both well, certainly uh, if I need some extra points, I'm flying business class on on the short haul sectors. Right. But normally, I'd, I'd fly economy. <laughs> but uh, obviously, the, the prices are quite eye watering as well. Yes, and yeah, occasionally absolutely. you do get a special offer just with three or four days to go. But mostly, it's uh, it's pretty expensive. Um, and I, you know, I the, the, I am quite open about it. I am prepared to pay well over the odds uh, for some of my flying. My company only pays for me to go economy, so if I want to do anything different, it's all down to me. Um, but uh, I don't mind doing it because uh, I, I prefer uh, the ability to use the lounge even, even on a, an economy ticket. But, uh, but I have to say that... Um, you know, all of the airlines have got the same problems at the moment in that the, yeah. you know, the, the traveling public are demanding lower and lower fares. Yeah. Um, so they've got to shave more and more off of, of what they're offering very often. So it, it is pretty difficult. May, may, ask, may I add also one more point? Sorry, guys, I'm very passionate no, no, about no, 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 no. Yeah, carry on. The one, the one point I didn't mention, and I think it's sort of evident, is that the, the crew. You know, you could have a seat that is average, and I mm. finally 
for instance, I don't think that BA's product are hard products, so the seat is that competitive. But as I said earlier, the short haul crew for me has always been a standout. So I will appreciate and I will qualify them as a very good airline because they have a great crew. Mm. And then you have other airlines that might offer you all the plush things you can imagine, yeah. but if they treat you in a very average manner, the, the experience will not stand out yeah. and then you'll say whatever. You know, it's, it, I don't know. Yeah, well, and also, for, important. I mean, going back to sort of the, the thing is, is of course, it, you know, where, you know, if, if, you know, like me, you're on very sort of, you know, average wages and all that kind of thing. If it wasn't for things like the low cost model, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do any flying, uh, regardless yeah. of, of, of experience, you know, and, and I, I know, I, I, I mean, I've said this quite a lot in the last few weeks, so apologies for repeating, but, you know, if it wasn't for, and I'll use Ryanair as an example, because that's my own personal experience, mm. You know, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to have the amazing trip to Rome that I had, you know, sort of two or three, you know, a couple of months back that was absolutely amazing. You know, you, you get to go with one of your best mates, have a really nice time. Uh, and it was it was only like 60 pound return each. You know, I mean, it, it's it's if it wasn't for that, you know, I mean, I'd, I, I, if, if money wasn't an object, of course, you would fly business class wherever it was <laughs> that you went yeah. or yeah. or oh, even, yeah. you know, first even just to sort of say you've done it. But it, it's, uh, you know, I, I think you're right. Maybe we do need to sort of look into doing a poll to see genuinely amongst our, our listeners yeah. what the yeah. best experience there is uh, maybe we'll do one of those twitter poll things we'll have to sort of um, yeah, think of something yeah. think think of that and just get a genuine sort of listener poll uh, as to what the uh, what the best economy experience is because I, I, think... I think i think we may be quite surprised as to which yes. airlines come out top um, I think, yeah. as a whole, airlines have improved their economy packages now. Really, over the over the last sort of five. Well, or you six say years. that, but then I do get very nervous. As, I mean, again, like Ryanair, and I think EasyJet have been a little bit guilty of this of, of late, where their seat pitch has changed. And so, for, and I, I know it's my fault because I'm a big guy, um, but that's that can have a huge. Uh, impact. I mean, what what the flight coming back from New York? I ended up being having to move seat because the, the, it was so. I couldn't. I literally couldn't get my knees behind the seat. That that was, you know. I yeah. I'm, to, you know, guys. I'm tall. I'm I'm six five, so one ninety six, wow. whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, again, I'm lucky to have uh, status. So yeah, I'll yeah. Usually, snag the emergency exit early because I have early access to the yeah. to the uh, the inventory. But yeah, yeah. It, that's. I I believe actually that in Europe. Before the US, but it could be the other, we'll have a, some part of, um, a regulation about seats, seat pitch, because flights are supposed, aircraft are supposed to be evacuated mm. in less than 90 seconds in case mm. of an emergency. And honestly, if they keep reducing the size mm. of those seats, I'm not even entirely sure you can actually achieve it. And most of those uh, current regulations are based on assumptions. Yeah, we think mm. we can make it happen. What will actually happen? They should have real life death situations. And uh, there's a flyer rights is a U.S. organization's uh, Kendall. She actually lives mm. in Berlin. She talks about that on Twitter all the time. She's one of these defendants. We cannot go like too low. It's not only for our comfort. It's simply like imagine if you have to, you you have to escape from that seat super fast because it's an emergency, and you, if you're completely stuck, how do you do mm. it? I mean, it's just. Uh, I agree with the point that the economy's package in general is okay. I find it, uh, you know, average. But I mean, you, you get what you pay for. I think it's better. Yeah. Uh, it's um, uh, when my parents, uh, so both my parents passed away now. But I have all the old family albums, 
and I have they you, they would actually keep the the ticket in the family every time. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And I look I look at the prices of going yeah. from. I was born and raised in Geneva, and my mother was from Finland. So from Geneva to um, Helsinki, and I think it was via Frankfurt, if I remember correctly. And this is at least 10 times the price, and we're talking like early 80s, you know, uh, end of the 70s. Uh, it, it's at least 10 times the price. I mean, yeah. thank God my father was a doctor. He could do that once a year. Usually yeah. our, 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 our holidays were taking the car and driving down to Greece, right? Because there was no easy jet to go down to Greece, mm -hmm. right? And I, I fully agree with you. I mean, that's... For me, it's wonderful that anybody can actually fly nowadays. Yeah. And I'd rather have that than have like, you know, uh, two centimeters more of width. I mean, I'll yeah. suffer through an hour and a half to go somewhere in Europe. It's, yeah, you but I don't with most things too much yeah. still, of course. Indeed, yeah, this is, this is, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a debate that will go on and on. I mean, yeah, we'll yeah. never, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, no, I, no, no, I, I no, sure. it's no, good. It's good. It's good food no, for no, thought. It's good food for thought. Yeah, it's, it's, as I say, and it, and it has, you know, whatever you think of the uh, low cost model, I mean, it has made, you know, yeah. aviation uh, affordable even to people like me, you know. So from one passenger experience then, uh, Paul, on to another for the next story, which is yours, because this is the kind of after passenger experience. Uh -oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the story of these uh, airport baggage handlers that were caught rendered uh, throwing luggage around uh, at Hong Kong Airport, which, by the way, is one of the best airports in the world, if mm. not the best one. That is, the, the, the story comes from the South China Morning Post. And the uh, um, SCMP.com, sorry. The, um, yeah, so the, I think a passenger was in this flight, you know, like it happens, you might have seen that. And you can see the people, actually, the, the handlers putting the baggage either in or out the aircraft. And he filmed that on the Facebook Live because they were like mishandling like really rough, uh, the, the, the actual suitcases and cardboard boxes. You, there's even, I think, in the video, there's a cardboard box with, it says, fragile on it. And it don't give a hoot about that they're just like throwing it around and uh, the person was like a bit you know shocked i guess uh, you can see the video running right now uh shocked i guess and how they were they, it was actually handled that reminds me of the story uh, was it like uh, manchester also probably early next last week where there were also a video from also a passenger on the side of the aircraft was taking uh i think it was swiss port baggage handlers also roughing it up <sighs> You know what? My take on this is that it happens, it's sad, and it should be called out. And thank God, I mean, I think the airline, uh, because it's an outsourced, back to the debate about outsourcing everything in, our, in the airline industry, it's an outsourced um, a company that handles, and they will look into it and probably follow up on it because it's not acceptable. But for me, the biggest point of contention I have is that if airline force us to put stuff in the hole because they don't want us to take stuff with ourselves, I never check luggages if I can avoid it, but they force it by reducing, they keep reducing the size of what you can put in overhead bin. The least they could do is making sure that they know, you know, trash our stuff when, when yeah. it's being loaded and yeah, uh, um, exactly. unloaded. Well, as you say, as, as we saw in that video there, as I say, a box clearly labelled fragile and it, it's literally just been thrown around like, like, like it was just anything. I mean, it's... Uh, but as you say, again, this, this is a good airport. So, I mean, this is, this is you know, uh, if the good airports are doing it, then we've got no hope at, say, Stansted, have we? I mean, it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's just... I don't know. I, I suppose, again, it's all about, you know, the contractors who are being employed to do it and whether they give a monkeys or not. But you'd think, given the fact that this is a big 
big thing for a lot of people and these videos always Especially go viral whenever they re yeah exactly yeah. i mean if you if you're hidden in the terminal or whatever and, and the general public can't see it kick but, them around anyway you know but uh, well no obviously i'm not advocating that but i'm just sort of saying you know let, let's be a little commonsensical uh. about it people do look out of the windows um <laughs> it's just yeah, and everybody has a mobile phone right now it is Everything will be mm. filmed. Yeah. You know, there's Indeed. no incident that is left behind anymore. Yeah. I mean, and I, I believe I, I don't know how it is at Stansted. I think at Heathrow they have you know they have, they have CCTVs for their handlers. Yeah. They will monitor the handlers uh, as well. So mm. that's why you don't get a lot of stories about people having stuff stolen from. Uh, yeah. It doesn't happen, I think, a lot in the UK, but you have sometimes. You know, an airline tells you you cannot bring too much with you on board, and then you yeah. might, you know, do you remember when there was this uh, limitation on flights from the Middle East coming back to the UK or the US? You couldn't have anything but a mobile phone. So if yeah. you had a laptop, you were supposed to put it in the, in the hold. I mean, not only will get trash around, but the people were, got their stuff um, stolen as well. So mm. I don't know. This is this is why whenever I go on holiday and I take the take my good the, my two good cameras the two Canon DSLRs that I take they always stay with me in cabinet oh, yeah. baggage and yeah. you know I but you if, see the, but the, because of that you see now now again going back to the low cost model where it's making things difficult for the cabin crew because they physically cannot get everything in. Yeah. the overhead bins because people don't want to put their luggage in the hole because they know it's not going to be treated very well you know it, it really is sort of uh, sort of it's a, it's a really difficult situation isn't it mm. i think at the end of the day what we should because the, the poor crew have to deal with that yeah. and maybe the person at check-in uh, sorry at uh, the, the gate they don't want to deal with that either mm. i think that the, the responsibility should be much before should be at security I, i've seen that in a, a japanese airport when you know the the, the security belt when you put your stuff uh, had a shape that was the limit of the size of anything you can put in it. So if your luggage by then was already too big, mm. they will say, oh, you have to book, go back to check in and check that one in. So that limits the the work for the poor uh, crew that have to deal with. And yeah. again, it's a balance. You're right. You know, airlines tell you oh, you have to pay like I don't know 50 quid to put your stuff in the in the hole, whereas your your ticket might cost like 30. Like hell no i'm gonna keep the stuff with me yeah but then you tend to over stuff yours maybe yeah. you are all season travelers i travel super light but sometimes i see uh, let's be honest as well i see people going for one week of holidays okay, and maybe do they need an outfit for every instagram picture because they have like a five <laughs> yes, yes they massive do to shoot to mrs bounds yeah actually this is what i suppose is one of the things you never worry about nev because you you've got one of the, the most indestructible cases in the world your oh, Pelly yes, case. The, the Pelly case. Ah, yeah, right. what a great. I mean, it's quite cheap, but man, that is a great piece of kit. I tend to use it normally for just carrying my uh, my gear around, but mm. uh, yeah, it's really, really good. Very substantial. Yeah, mm. I bet. Uh, uh, do Do you use a special case, Paul, to when you when you're flying? No, I mean, uh, Travel Pro is my brand to go to because it's just very sturdy. I had the same one for like 10 years. It's been like in the wow. water. It's been, it fell in the water <laughs> in the Philippines. It fell, you know, it was in the sand and it's still there. I, the, uh, I'm like you. I have a camera that was like around with me. That will be in my backpack. never leaves me. So even if suddenly I've been asked at the gate to check my luggage, I will make sure that there's nothing fragile. I, mm. I, you know, so no, no special. I don't know what kind of gear you have, Nev, to being to being using a pellet case because it look very sturdy. But I don't think I have anything that we require to put stuff <laughs> like this. What do you What do you carry with you? Camera. 
the fancy uh, Well, it's, it's mainly lots of video and audio gear, but uh, oh, it's mainly the, the accessories and, and the bits and pieces. My main camera, I'm, we're off to uh, Gibraltar in November to do some filming there, so I'll be carrying that with me. I certainly won't be checking that in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, for all, all the other bits and pieces. Because you can yeah, never you... have enough gear, can you? That's what no, I that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so and I always take far more than I actually need. And never, um, never, so. Nev likes to always go. No, you know, whenever he goes anywhere, he has to bring his fabulous muff with him. There's no, there's no two ways about it. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, those are the, the, those right. are the strict rules. Got to have the muff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and you've never got enough cables or too no, many cables. No, yeah, no, yeah. No. I mean, I, when, when we went over to where was it? I think when we went over to Pittsburgh and we had we'd literally brought oh, every yeah. single cable that, <laughs> that, 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 that both me, Carlos, and Nev ever owned. And we still had to go and buy some more. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there but we, we, we got there in the end. We did. We indeed. Did. Yes. Okay. I think with all the gear I, always, I took, took over to Pittsburgh with the, the two suitcases, I probably really should have done a carne for it because of all the uh, uh, all, all the stuff. So I, I had got stopped. Yeah. Uh, they, they that that could have been a challenge. Where did you actually buy this stuff, Mr. Bell? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's not stolen, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the next, uh, moving on, next story is on the uk.businessinsider.com and it's a story especially for uh, listener Brian Coleman over at the Airplane Geeks because this is all regarding the awesome United Airlines uh -huh. who are under fire after a flight attendant reportedly told a mother her baby wasn't allowed to cry for more than five minutes. Wow. Okay. So you know... <laughs> No, you couldn't write this, could you? So uh, uh, United Airlines is under fire after a flight attendant reportedly told a passenger that her baby wasn't allowed to cry for more than five minutes on a flight. According to Fox affiliate KTVU, uh, Krupa Patel Bala was flying on United Airlines flight 870 from Sydney to San Francisco with her husband and their eight-month-old baby on Monday, September the 24th. After takeoff, while sitting in their business class seats, oh, wow. their young child started to cry. It was then that the flight attendant reportedly approached her and told her it was absolutely unacceptable for the baby to cry. Bala documented the entire incident on her Facebook page, writing that the flight attendant took her back into economy class and after offering a lecture on parenting, told her that babies were not allowed to cry for more than five minutes and that it really stressed out the crew. Uh, Bala wrote that the flight attendant Goodness. told her, uh, apparently it's part of the rule book that babies are not allowed to cry for more than five minutes. And uh, in a statement to Business Society, United Airlines uh, said that we've been in touch with our customer via social media and United representatives met the family upon arrival to apologise oh. and offer a refund and make clear that the experience she relayed doesn't reflect our commitment to serving our customers, including our youngest customers. United Airlines statement also added that young families were welcome on our flights, including in business class, and we are continuing to review the incident internally and the flight attendant is being held out of service pending an investigation. Mm. Bala uh, eventually reposted on her Facebook page a message detailing her appreciation for how the airline handled her complaint in writing. From what uh, I understand, United is handling a situation and ensuring that no one else has ever or is ever going to have an experience like ours where a flight attendant makes up her own rules. Yeah. It's an interesting rule, I will say. You know, you know, Mr. Matt, you're not allowed to to, uh, to get comfortable in your seat for uh, ten minutes. Right. Uh, okay. okay. 
I, th- I think it's more that it's, it's the objection to the to the crying uh, the baby. Crying. Isn't it? I mean, don't get me wrong. We we'd all rather there not be a crying baby next to us. But of course, I mean, this poor little tyke is doesn't has basically has no idea what's going on. Their ears must be absolutely killing them because they're developing and all this kind of thing. I mean, the, the poor little one has got no idea what's going on. You you can't you can't say stuff like that. I mean, surely anybody with a, a modicum of human decency will be able to see that you know it's basically a child that's in distress. Also, you can imagine the um, the, the the United PR department that go, oh, not again. No. You know, we've had so much trouble over the last twelve months. Yes. 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 Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 it rather, you know, and again, the story does sort of rather indicate that the uh, the member of staff involved was sort of held back for, you know, for corrective training. Uh, it's just like poor old United. I know. It's just like, but you do worry sometimes that some people just haven't got the common sense that they were born with. You know, uh. I mean, you know, these are people. You know, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's you know, it is my idea of hell. I'm not going to lie. If there is a screaming child yeah. next to me um but you know at the same time you just sort of think you know i mean as long as the as long as the parent is making some kind of effort and not basically ignoring them you know you just think well you know they're doing everything they can <laughs> you know what's what what can I you agree. do i mean you i mean know. come on i mean it makes that sort of makes me fume and i've had also <laughs> like the stories of a baby i mean first of all i think chris said in chat thank god for noise cancelling headphones yeah, well there I mean, is I mean, that yeah i will <laughs> but even with that of course when you have a baby just next to you but any other i mean come on let, let's maybe you said it right human de- decency and united are not com- compatible i don't know no, no, yeah, I, seems I think you're having a lot of issues but i mean <laughs> And, and that's what I, you know, what, what makes me the most angry about that story, besides the common sense and the human decency mm-hmm. they should have, is that that attendant clearly made up the rule. There's yeah. no rule about five minutes. No, 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 <laughs> There's no, no rule about no, no, business no. class. You have no, to be no. thrown back to economy as it's yeah. like, what? That, you know, I, I just and it was like and it was look at look at what she says. I think it was it was he or she? I think I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I think so. She says, uh, "Well, it will uh, disturb the crew." I mean, okay, so you're taking that on you. So, oh, the crew will be stressed out. But yeah. you're that's your job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I I really don't get it. And of course, uh, yeah, poor United. But I think there's a, not I think I'm certain. There's a cultural problem in that company. The cultural, you know, the mm. corporate culture has a massive issue. Otherwise, we wouldn't see repeatedly them killing a dog and throwing out a passenger, and <laughs> yeah. now you know asking for BBC to be removed from business class because they have a five minutes limit. It's, it's there's a massive problem at this company. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, th- I, th- I think you're right there, aren't you? There's no, there's no two ways about that. It's it, the whole thing's a bit of a mess, isn't it? <laughs> a bit of a mess, yeah, a little bit yeah, of a mess. Indeed, yeah. So, next story, moving on, is uh, one for you, Matt. Is it uh, right? Yeah. Okay, so this is the story of. Uh, sorry. There we go. Busy pressing multiple buttons. Uh, so this is on the Telegraph, and the headline is "Mesmerising Video Shows the Crowded Skies Above London's Airports During the Busiest Summer on Record." So a rise in the number of low-cost flights using Luton and Stansted airports has helped 
pushed the skies above London to capacity and seen the country's airspace experience its busiest ever summer. Some 736,800 planes entered UK airspace over the course of June, July and August this year, according to air traffic controller provider Nats, 5,683 more than the previous record set in 2017 and marking six consecutive years of growth. Nats released the video above uh, showing 24 hours of aircraft movements above London to highlight the pressure being placed on the capital's airspace. It said that uh, traffic into London, uh, sorry, into Luton and Stansted had grown 30% in the last four years and that demand now outstrips capacity at peak times of the day. It is congestion in the skies in and around airports that leads to overwhelmed schedules and flight delays for passengers. At the beginning of the month, Ryanair, which operates out of Stansted, accused Nats of blatant discrimination over the rate of delays at the Essex airport compared to that of Heathrow, which it said received special treatment. Uh, Nats denied the accusation. It has been an incredibly busy summer uh, and our teams have done a fantastic job managing at what has been a, a basically unprecedented levels of air traffic, uh, said Nats Operation Director Juliet Kennedy. Uh, it's been particularly pleasing to have done so without seeing the severity of capacity issues that have existed elsewhere in Europe. Nats said that this summer it handled, uh, which um, said that, this, sorry, this said, Nats said this summer it handled, which can mean departing and arriving aircraft as well as those passing over the UK to and from North America. A quarter of all European air traffic and said that its delay performance was markedly better than anywhere else on the continent. Figures from the IATA which represents the world's airlines this summer showed that delays more than doubled uh, at airports across Europe with 133% more delayed minutes in the first half of 2018 than the same period last year. Nats had previously warned that more and more passengers will find their flights delayed unless the government invests heavily in updating the UK's airspace. In 2016, Nats said that the number of delay minutes at UK airports could rise from 90,000 a year to 4 million by 2030. It's quite surprising. You know, we, we were lucky enough, obviously, uh, me, you and Nev to go up to Heathrow and the control tower we've been up a, a few times now and, and have a tour and see just how busy Heath, London Heathrow is in mm. regards to air traffic and, and ground operations and stuff but when you look at the map that's uh, the little video, there's a short video on this uh, or story yeah. that shows the amount of air traffic between Gatwick, Heathrow Luton and Stansted it's absolutely incredible when you look at the amount mm. of aircraft that are, that are you know holding, landing taking off or transiting across the airspace, you know, from Europe yeah. to, to the US. And it's, you know, it's just, you, you do not, ex yeah. you, you, when you look up in the sky now, you don't see no, all this no kind don't. of it's going on. It's absolutely crazy, isn't it's, it? It's incredible, yeah. yeah. It is incredible. I, I, you know, and it is really amazing that, that there aren't the delays, you know, there aren't more delays mm. essentially off the back of it. It's a great little video, though. I mm. like that. It is, yeah. Uh, it's amazing. It is a bit, isn't it? Yes, it's just like, wow, look at all these routes. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, so if you want to have a look at that video, take yourself to thetelegraph.co.uk forward slash travel, forward slash news, forward slash London dash video dash crowded dash skies dash nats. And I will make sure that's in the show notes for yeah. everybody to have a look. So the next story is for you, Nev, and obviously it is a big birthday today. It is. It's actually uh, 50 years to the day 
since the world got its first glimpse of the 747, and uh, which was rolled out of the factory in Everett, Washington, which has been which was built to produce the biggest aircraft ever. And uh, ever since, people have not stopped stopped gawking at the iconic humped-back aircraft, whose stately lines resemble those of a cruise ship. While the first test flight aircraft, Romeo Alpha 001, was more than double the size of Boeing's next largest commercial jet at the time, it was brought into life from drawings in just two and a half years by a team led by Joe Sutter, uh, Boeing's fiery-tempered chief engineer. Its design defied the wishes of launch customer uh, Pan Am, and uh, almost uh, bankrupt Boeing, in fact, by producing this aircraft. But the 747 shrank the globe and it introduced concepts and technologies that forever changed long-distance travel from twin aisles to in-flight entertainment. And Boeing went on to sell 1,568 of these aircraft as it was redesigned and updated over the decade. While twin-engine jets like the 777 and later the Airbus A350, uh, A350 have mostly replaced jumbos on long-distance passenger routes, air freight haulers are still buying a cargo version of the 747 whose hinge uh, nose flips open. And uh, crowds of people Garrett, gathered to see the 747 roll out of the factory for the first time, uh, whilst Boeing says that some 50,000 people had a hand in bringing it to life, from construction workers, engineers and mechanics, to secretaries and administrators. So costly was the project that Joe Sutter had at one point been ordered to fire 1,000 engineers to save money, but he refused, instead demanding that Boeing hire 800 more. He <laughs> later wrote that he was certain Boeing was going to fire him for his defiance. Not only did he keep his job, but he also get, he got the extra manpower that he wanted. The aircraft was launched with a handshake agreement between the CEOs of Boeing and Pan Am, in anticipation of a surge in passenger traffic and increasingly crowded skies. Jack Waddell, uh, Boeing's then chief test pilot, helmed the first flight on February the 9th, 1969, and it was a sight to behold. The fuselage of the airplane was 225 feet long and the tail was six stories high. The cargo hold had room for 3,400 pieces of baggage and could be unloaded in seven minutes, according to the plane maker. The total wing area was larger than a baseball court, whilst the entire global navigation system weighed less than a modern laptop computer. I'm sure uh, Matt's putting some uh, pictures up on the screen at the moment uh, of this uh, wonderful aircraft. But uh, it's an absolute classic, and it, it definitely did change the way aviation uh, is thought about now. And I'm very pleased that uh, BA are continuing with their 747 fleet. I think... Uh, they're phasing them out in 2024, something like that now. Mm. But uh, it, it's still it's still a great aircraft to fly, and I, I love flying them uh, normally across the North Atlantic when I'm going to the US. Yeah, yeah. I'm certainly definitely glad I got got the chance to um, to at least uh, fly on the 74. Yeah. Um, Personally, I can't wait until the 757 has been totally destroyed. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I come on, that kick on the takeoff is amazing. Yeah, yeah. True, nobody Paul. tried to kill me while we were in the air. True. So I didn't, you know, it's something wrong with the air conditioning system on the one we were in, and I was quite poorly by the by the time I got to uh, to Pittsburgh. But anyway, that's just me personally. You know, no, it's good to see. <laughs> Fifty years old, it's uh, it's wow. done well. The uh, seven yeah. four, I think. Um, I, have you guys flown the the seven four eight, the latest version? No, no, not with with Lufthansa. No. There, um, yeah. they've got. Yeah, I've flown it on Lufthansa and I've flown it on Korean Air as well. It's uh, it's amazing. It's it's fun because you can see 
also what i mean we know four engines don't sell well anymore uh but the you can feel that it's a an upgrade an iteration because it doesn't have the the quietness of a 380 of a 350 so there is it's hard for them to compete with with that model yeah i mean i love it i love the noise i mean i, I made my on purpose my uh what was the last one i think tire uh tireways i was on the on the front you know just on the nose because when the with that um when the gear comes up, like you can feel the entire freaking nose moving. There's mm. a huge noise. As a Navy geek, I love this, right? But I mean, you can understand why it's not. But it's yeah, it's still amazing. I mean, it's a, and one redeeming mm. quality about United because I keep criticizing them. I have it in front of me, so you guys can see it. Is that they had produced these um, amenity kits? I've got one of those, especially for the seven four seven. Uh, because now they retired of 747, they gave it actually a lot of celebration uh, in, in the US and they have produced this limited series. I think it's still running. I'm not sure if you fly business class with United. You can find these very nice uh, boxes. All 747, you have like the eye shades that are mm. with 747 branded. You have socks 747 branded. That's really cool, actually. So one thing United does well is that. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't opened mine, I've, I've kept mine sealed. It's, yeah, I have uh, another one that I've opened actually. Uh, <laughs> wow! Yeah, I was lucky nice. enough to be uh, to be given one by uh, by Brian Coleman. He uh, donated one to me to, as, a, as a gift, which is very kind of him. But uh, no, it's uh, it's awesome. It's um, it's un unfortunate that the the three eighty. I, I saw a story earlier on in the week that uh, there was uh, uh, an ex Singapore Airlines A three eighty, which has been parked up and is well in the process of being. Dismantled. The oh, parts. Yeah, that's great for parts. Yeah, yeah parts yeah. out, and Very that, that's a that's a three eighty, which is besides Emirates, nobody actually really relies on it. I mean, BA has mm. a few. There's always rumors that they want to buy more, but now they're just extending their seven four seven line mm. as long as they can. Yeah, and the three fifty is such a cool airplane that the triple seven X would probably also be a very potent aircraft with a. The difference of a passenger between that and a three eighty is, I mean, besides Emirates, honestly, I don't see it. Sadly. I mean, yeah. you could fly it. I think was it on the summer? You could fly it with a Norwegian from Gatwick to yeah, JFK. Well, they had this relatively high fly one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we saw us at Farnborough, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. we did. So the last uh, story in the commercial news segment is uh, for you, Paul. Uh, all about Lufthansa. No, oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm a Star Alliance Gold member, so why not? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they just ordered three billion dollars worth of Airbus aircraft. I mean, I was about to say, no surprise there, you know, Lufthansa and Airbus is a love story. Uh, this is uh, a story uh, carried by businesstraveler.com. Uh, the Lufthansa Group actually uh, is buying, a, what, how many, does it say here, like 24 A3, A320 Neos along with also a few A321 Neos. They already have more than 100 of these uh, in order from Airbus, a few of the money service actually have flown the 320 Neo. I think the first time was with Lufthansa for me, uh, and these orders will be delivered between 2023 and 2024. It's just another sign that Lufthansa relies heavily on uh, Airbus. And when they say group, it means that Swiss will also get one. They say a few of those will uh, get to Swiss. I am Swiss. I'm always very happy to fly them. Also, although I prefer that uh, the 220. Uh, we'll get to that story later when we, we talk about layovers. And uh, yeah, so I'm, you know, I, I'm not surprised here. Lufthansa and Airbus have a very strong history, European, and uh, they're doubling up. They're doubling the bets, and it's. Uh, I think it's good. I mean, the, you know, the, the 320 is like the, the, triple, the 737. These are super reliable aircrafts. 
um, the only downside for me is that it seems that everything I fly in Europe is always a 320, and I sometimes want something else. <laughs> wow. No, oh, I, don't, cool. I, haven't, I haven't had a chance to fly on the Neo yet. I've been, uh, I've seen the Neo up and close, but uh, not had a chance to yet fly there's, on the Neo. There's not much difference, actually. The, you, I mean, unless, you know, the trick for those, I mean, I'm sure you guys know, but for those listening, they might not know, when you enter an Airbus, you, you know, the door is open, look at the side of the door, there's a little plaque, metallic pla plaque, and the last line is actually the entry of service. Uh, so you will see that if it's a plane from 2018, uh, as the chances are it's a NEO. Uh, interestingly, the NEO adds two more seats at the very back, at, at least for the Lufthansa layout, at the very back, so the, you know, the very, very, very last seats before the lavatory, uh, there are two seats. These seats, guys, are the most snug and the most uh, narrow you can even imagine because it's really, you know, they, they reduce, which is a trend as well nowadays, they reduce the size of the lavatory to gain, you know, again, more footprint for seats. And I remember entering the aircraft and I said, oh, that's my first time in the, I tell that to the crew, and the crew tells me, I hope, uh, you're not uh, sitting in the last row. And I look at him, why? I say, yeah, because you're tall. These are the horrible seats. So even them, they knew that. So guys, if you ever fly Lufthansa, never take these seats. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the way forward. There we go. Yeah. You, heard, you heard it here first. Yes, yeah, yeah, piece of advice. Piece of yeah, advice, absolutely. I know. So that is where we bring the commercial news segment to a close. Uh, coming up, uh, next, well, we're going to uh, hand things over to uh, to Nev to introduce the next segment. Yes, well, Farnborough, of course, was, it doesn't it seem such a long time ago now? <laughs> like months. <laughs> and uh, we had some great weather there as well. So we thought we'd play out uh, a few more of the interviews that we did there. And uh, very good they are too, I must say. So uh, Carlos, uh, first of all, uh, started interviewing uh, uh, Masha and then Pilot Pip. And then later on, uh, we went into the Boeing Exhibition Centre where Captain Al grabbed somebody and forced him to be uh, interviewed <laughs> by Carlos. And that Under was a duress. Very, uh, yeah. nice young chap called Harry, who was uh, uh, very, very game, I must say. So we yeah. really appreciate that. But uh, first of all, we have a chat with Masha. So the sun is out, and look who's joined us. It's Masha. Hello, Masha. How are you? Hi. Very nice to see you, and really nice to be here. Great. Well, it's nice to see you. We've, still got, we've got the English summer here for you still. <laughs> I know. It's been amazing. I've been here for like three days now. And it's just sunny, like, it doesn't let up. Like, this big yellow ball in the sky it just <laughs> keeps appearing every day. It's amazing. Well, welcome to Farnborough, Masha. It's nice to see you here. Thank you. It's lovely and, to be back. Oh, good. And uh, we've got, we have got a bit of, a, uh, a bit of shock news for Nev Is as to right? the airline that you flew across here with. Yes. Who I, was that? Uh, I didn't do my usual KLM or maybe Ryanair, I decided to splash out and fly with British Airways. <laughs> That's definitely got the thumbs up from, uh, from Nev. But you also flew into uh, one of the more interesting airports here yes. in the UK. One of the reasons that I specifically picked the flight that I did is that it flew from Schiphol to London City Airport. And I've never flown into London City, but I've heard that it is a really interesting approach and it really lived up to it it was awesome <laughs> so you had a good seat you had a window seat yeah i had a window seat of course i was flying on an uh, embraer 190 which is one of my favorite uh, aircraft to fly on as a passenger and you know if you fly into london city you go right over the city center you see all the highlights you got the best view in the world and then you turn around and you go over it all again <laughs> 
and then you you know you land right into the city and you know within 20 minutes you're on the uh, you're on the train uh, it's easy as that it's awesome so Masha, give us a quick passenger experience then because obviously we've got Nev here so come on the BA the Embraer experience well like I said I love the Embraer as, as a passenger I think it's it's just awesome it's like five it's the closest I've come to flying business class is to fly on an Embraer I've been on the 140 the 170 the 190 uh, uh, KLM flies them uh, BA flies them of course I've, I've flown them on hop the French um, airline and this is so nice. They're, you know, they're small, they're cute. Uh, you got like loads of leg room, and it, you know, the the surfaces was the, the the surface was fine. It was it was like an awesome. You got experience. looked after. Yeah. Did you mention it? You knew Nev. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, I didn't this time. Maybe on the way back because I'm flying BA back as well. So. That, that could get you the first class treatment. <laughs> well, th th there's not really a first class on every air, but <laughs> I could try. <laughs> well, you might get the jump seat. That would be even better. Oh, yeah. If I could, if I could manage that, <laughs> sure. So, Marshall, well, obviously we're here at Farm, but what are you looking forward to today? Well, I've only, like, just got here. Like, literally, off, I'm just off the shuttle bus, and I, like, r run into you guys, like, right away. So I, don't, I, I, I haven't even looked at the program yet. I don't even know. I've seen some some airplanes already flying in and out. But I, and then, you know, we're in front of this this massive A380. That's the only thing I've seen so far. So I have no idea yet. Well, Masha, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the uh, the show today, I'm and sure I will. Uh, yeah, we we look forward to well, we look forward to having some fun. <laughs> I'm sure we will. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we've been joined by podcast royalty, pilot Pip. Oh, yes. Welcome. Morning. How are you? Morning. Yeah, very well, Carlos. Thanks. How are you? Good. 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 Excellent. It's nice to see you're sporting the uh, lovely pink polo shirt. Yeah, we were just talking about that. I think I'm uh, masculine enough to peel off pink. Well, you're a pilot. Pink pilot. Exactly. Pink pilot. Pink pilot pip. Exactly. So how are things with you? Yeah, very well. Thanks. Yeah. Very well indeed. Good night's sleep. Very nice at the Holiday Inn. Just uh, literally a five-minute walk from the uh, from the airfield here. So yeah, very good indeed. So you didn't fly then? No. No. Uh, hopefully you saw some pictures yesterday on Twitter that Steph and I uh, flew in the Pippa, the Pippa 28. <laughs> uh, we did a, an overhead pass at Farnborough yesterday afternoon, which is great at Farnborough air traffic control actually to let us come through. Uh, I had to do a little bit of name dropping. Thank you to our friend at uh, oh, yes. in yes. air traffic control for that. <laughs> so, yeah, that was great. So we had a, a nice little fly around, and uh, well, Steph did most of the flying actually. Oh, good. Yeah, the girl knows how to fly an aeroplane. What can I say? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, what are you looking forward to today, MP? Well, I must apart be from honest. Meeting all yeah, that, well, obviously. apart from these people over there, uh, I haven't really seen the program. I'm hoping to go and uh, have a word with Embraer today and make a few constructive criticisms of uh, my new steed. See if they can improve a few things, but I don't know. Just uh, have a look at some of the jets. I'd rather like this beastie up here behind me, the 380. I can see some nice biz jets. One just uh, what's that? A Falcon 7X, I think, just taxiing out to take off there. Um, no, uh, no Phantom 300s here. Then I don't know actually. Uh, Owen said there might be one, so we'll go and have a look, and you can all have a good little laugh at that. Excellent. So how are things with the show, Pip? Obviously the uh, plane. Oh, excellent. Podcast. I'm still pumping them out one a week, like clockwork, as you know. <laughs> There'll be another one soon. I'm hoping that Al and I can sit down this weekend sometime and uh, do something at least. And actually, on the note of flying, how, how's the flying going, Pip? Obviously with the Phenom. Yeah, pretty well. We're very busy at the moment. We've hit our super crazy season now with the schools breaking up yesterday. 
Uh, so that marks the start of really busy. It's been busy anyway, but now we're, we're uber busy. Lots of flights down to the Med and Greece and um, all over. So generally four flights every single day, maximum duty hours. But, uh, you know, that's the way I like it, actually. I suppose the question we've got to ask is, are, are the hawkers no more? No, we still have a small handful of them left. Out of the original, I think I can say this, out of the original 50-something that we had, we've got about nine left, but they'll be gone in the not-too-distant future. I do see them around every so often and <laughs> wipe away a little tear. Have you got a little a collage at home with, with I pictures? I do, my little, uh, my little sort of worship corner <laughs> to the hawker. So how's uh, the family? Very well, they'll be here tomorrow. In fact, um, later on this evening, they'll be at the meet-up tonight at the pub. Uh, so, yeah, they'll come down. We went to Riyadh, took the lads to Riyadh last weekend. Uh, had a good time there. And, uh, yeah. Excellent. Looking forward to it as well. Well, nice to speak to you, Pip. Yeah, you as well. Hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, I will, and I hope you guys have fun as well. I'm sure we will. Excellent. Thank Excellent. you. Okay, so we're in the Boeing uh, Exhibition Centre and uh, I've uh, been joined by Harry, who's here uh, at the show. And uh, Harry, how welcome on to uh, the show. Thank you. So Harry, what's, uh, what's the aviation uh, passion with you then? What, what, uh, what do you like here about Farnborough? Well, just in general, I live in the local area, so it's something that I follow uh, in terms of the air show anyway. Um, but it's the first time I'm actually on site, um, so just keen to see all the, all, all the different companies and obviously the flying display, which is it's going to be good. Um, but yeah, just sort of the idea of flying and the sort of air traffic control is something that's always interested me anyway, um, since a very young age. So yeah, I'm just, just keen to learn more, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. So possibly then in the future, you'd like to look at, look at something within the aviation industry? Oh yeah, industry. definitely. I'm, I'm still quite young. <laughs> so uh, younger than us. Yeah, definitely a possibility. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just come in to, to explore and just have a look around and go from there, really. But yeah. And does your other half have the share the same? Uh... Well, obviously, as you can tell, she's a bit shy, so she's not on camera. But um, uh, yeah, she's not not so much, um, but she's still keen on coming, come to see different things and, and just try try different things out. Um, so yeah. So you've only just got here, um, but what are the kind of things that you're looking forward to diving to see? I mean, we've got the A350-1000 just over there. Are there any aircraft that you're really looking forward to seeing? I mean, particularly one that comes back a lot is the the f-16 the jet which is it's, it's a favorite among many but uh yeah it's, it's it's quite a nice one to see and then obviously the red arrows as well um so they're quite good to see as well um but yeah just just seeing different things um i, I quite like the the history behind it as well so obviously the old warplanes and stuff like that that's that's, that's quite interesting so would you say you're more interested in uh, military or commercial aircraft um I'll say I'm interested in both, really. Um, but again, like I said before, I'm quite quite keen on the history as well, uh, and the, yeah, the military side of like is is yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So, so given the choice between uh, as we've got Captain Al, who's just over there, yeah. uh, given the choice between Boeing or Airbus, uh, what, what's best? Well, I've, <laughs> it's, it's I mean. <laughs> I wouldn't say I know enough to, to judge it on that, to be honest. That's why I've come along today, just to probably learn a bit more about the different companies. Uh, I mean, I, I fly a lot, so uh, we're going on different holidays and stuff like that. So I've, I've gone with both companies, but um, yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't say I, I know enough to, to make a fair comment, to be honest. So you say you fly a lot. Have you had a chance to fly on the 380? I not yet. No, no. 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 What's, no. what's been the best one out of the you know, 777s, Airbus, Boeing 777, uh, Dreamliners? I mean, the, the Airbus is pretty good. 
Uh, but like, like I said, uh, I wouldn't say I know enough <laughs> to make a fair, it's a fair comment. Um, but yeah. So before we wrap up, then yeah. I'm just going to ask you a quick question, and uh, it's one of these questions that we always ask people we interview at air shows all through, all across the globe, really. And uh, if, if you were walked outside now and were given a chance to fly any aircraft, albeit commercial, military, civil, whatever, yeah. and, and someone said to you, you can go in there now and fly, what would it be? I'll probably say uh, unrealistic, but I'd love to go out with the the guys, the the red arrows. Just, oh, just right. go out with them, yeah, with, uh, the Hawks, yeah. with multiple jets up in the up in the sky. That'll be amazing, amazing experience. Red arrows. Uh, that's, that's one we haven't had yeah. uh, before on the show. So yeah, yeah. well, well done. Well, nice. well, thanks, Harry, for Not your time. Problem. Great to speak to you, yeah, and see enjoy you. the rest of the show. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. I'll tell you what. Actually, guys, seriously, I'm amazed they haven't done like a two seater. Um, <laughs> what, 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 what is it they fly? It's not the Nat, is the it? Hawk. That's the old one, the, the Hawk. Hawk yeah, so they're the flying Hawk. the Hawk. I'm amazed they haven't done like a two seater version of the Hawk, so that you know. But there is a two seater. No, but, yeah, but I mean, just not the red arrows. Yeah, well, no, that's what I mean. Like yeah. the, the the red arrows and that, and the opportunity to go. I mean, yeah. obviously, the paperwork you'd have to fill in, and the you know the risk assessment, and goodness knows what else would just be <laughs> like insane to, to to go with that. But how cool an opportunity would that be to be sat, say, like in the back seat of, of said plane while the red arrows were doing a display? I mean, how amazing would that be? So I'm just reading the chat room. Uh, right, Nev. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what have you done now, Nev? Oh, what are you dear. doing? Nev's been entertaining the chat room. Has <clears throat> he? Right? Yes. He does that a lot. Yeah. I know. But uh, no, it was great to speak to Harry. And, yeah. So, uh, so where yeah. did the Harry appear suddenly well, into our lives? Well, you see, <laughs> uh, we we were in the Boeing in the Boeing suite right. at, at okay. Farnborough. Yes. And, I know uh, you couldn't help but get a little Airbus question in there in the Boeing suite. But anyway, and me and Al, <laughs> me and Al were kind of uh, perusing away, and uh, Nev was obviously doing Pestering all, all the, the locals, tech work. Essentially, yeah, and right. uh, I think Al just kind of said, "Oh, he looks." Uh, interested in aviation right. let's, okay. let's nab him and <laughs> okay. he, he he sort of came towards us and his, right. his girlfriend kind of ran away the other way yes. yeah, yeah. Um, okay. i think she saw al and oh, right. um, yes. and yes. ran the other way yeah. and previous uh, form yeah, yeah. And we we <laughs> had a good chat with him but now it's nice to speak to harry and it was so obviously great to speak to masha yeah. and uh, obviously pip as well yes. and next to the high fly a380 that was uh, that was there on show because yeah. you obviously nev you got uh, you got on board the uh, the high fly 380 didn't you oh yeah we're, we're dead lucky with that we, we got a a, a private tour of it as well we spoke to the uh, the flight crew we got captain al in the left hand seat as you might have seen in a previous oh, yes. episode as well so uh, yeah we were very very fortunate indeed on that occasion yeah, so uh, no it was brilliant really good so we are going to move on uh, and we're going to we're going to skip a certain segment this week but uh -oh. uh, it's for good cause because obviously we have got paul uh, from the layovers podcast with us yeah. on yeah, today's show more podcast royalty yeah so again paul welcome and thanks for uh, thanks for joining us uh, this morning and uh, yeah tell us uh, tell us a bit about yourself paul what uh, what's the uh, background with you the background oh wow uh, first of all i'm having a super cool time with you guys so i'm loving it uh so thank you for having me with you guys today i'm not used to have to do podcasts very early on a sunday it's actually pretty cool because i have all the time in the world we're usually with alex we're like super 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 stressed about our, our time which is why we we don't record that much so yeah uh, we first of all we have a, this podcast you might have heard about it guys uh listeners we have a podcast about aviation that's been running since january 2015 we're not very good as i hinted a minute ago we're not very good with our with our scheduling because we travel both a lot uh we actually met like that we met on i think it was in uh 2010 in uh singapore 
through uh, during a conference in front of us says you should talk to each other we didn't talk about aviation because that's uh, what actually links us we both have a kind of a similar type of background in terms of our proper jobs which are not in aviation i'll come to alex because he's a bit more aviation than me in in a second uh, we we're both working with startups we're both working a lot with uh, marketing uh, customer experience loyalty um and we we just chatted and, and i was back then not leaving in the uk and i moved to london about seven years ago now uh and i kind of reached out to alex because it was this company i was working for as a client and i needed someone to help me for something and we started seeing each other quite a lot and we realized that we both actually talked about airplanes all the freaking time uh he has actually <laughs> in history in aviation because he was a founding member uh of the, the founding team of virgin america uh his family is actually also pretty much everyone seems to be in aviation in his family i'm the opposite uh, you know my uh, father was a doctor and uh my um my mother was a salesperson, and so I have nothing to do with aviation. I was just lucky to be flying quite uh, early. Actually, my first ever flight, that's, a, that's a, always, uh, always blamed my parents were, there, uh, were alive for that. My first ever flight was actually in first class, but it was literally five months old. Uh, so, uh, and then we flew only, of course, economy the rest of my life. So <laughs> I was like always, why did you do that when I was like so young and never went later on? Anyway, uh, so yeah, and we both have just do our work we both do travel very extensively uh which again explains as well why we're not recording the podcast as much as you guys but to that later and we since we were always you know chatting on you know excuse me messages have you seen that aircraft what has been your experience there what the latest tricks uh, you know the latest promo to find like a very good deal what kind of miles run you can do anything at one point i said to uh to alex i said hey, you know what uh, I'm, I was doing another podcast. You know what? Let's just put a microphone in front of us. Uh, and by the way, you can see that we don't don't do video because the microphone takes into my entire face on your <laughs> live stream because otherwise it would have put in differently. Uh, because usually we don't care about the image. Uh, yeah. So let's put the uh, let's put a microphone and just talk about that. And you can hear that at the very beginning we have this idea of going into segments and sections and going to like we'll talk about startups because we both deal with startups. We'll talk about a bit about technology of aviation. Uh, and at the end of the day, it became more banter about what we love, which is mostly the passenger experience. I told you earlier that we both do kind of customer experience loyalty. So really the passenger experience, what it means to be a passenger and, you know, sharing our stories. And we're both very lucky that we have positions where our clients were both independent. We have uh, our own companies. Um, we're very lucky that we have a lot of our clients paying us uh, usually business class to travel and travel long haul. So we have, of course, we tend to over-talk about these because they are more memorable experiences to be received than flying yet another, I don't know, a short haul with Lufthansa to Frankfurt in economies, which is always a bit the same. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's been running for now since I told you, since 2015. And it's been quite successful at the beginning. It was literally, we didn't think that anyone would listen. And now we have way more messages that we, we can handle. We don't do like you guys live. So it's we, we, we record mm -hmm. when we can. And then I edit, I mix everything up and I put it up uh, on uh, online and people can listen. And it's been quite, that's a pretty cool. So it's, yeah, it's two, two guys talking about airliners because the difference I think also for you, because I, I listen to you guys, we don't talk about military aircrafts. We don't talk about commercial aviation part of the airline yeah. industry. And we name each of our episodes uh, with uh, an airport. So that was a kind of a ah, okay. cool idea to say, uh, let's 
dedicate the last 10, 15, 20, depending on how much we have to say about a specific airport. Usually it's one we've been recently to, so we mm -hmm. have a memory. And again, it's opinions, guys. You know, we're not here to make like to be scientific about an airport no. because, you know, some airports are so big, we might have only a one experience in one terminal and that day we hated it. So we'll actually say it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think besides, I've we have 79 episodes. I think there's only one uh, or maybe two airports that we have never been to that we covered. Mm -hmm. One was because of a guest, and the other one was a San Martin, you know, the very famous landing on the beach that they have uh, in the Caribbean. Uh, it just sounded cool to do it, but I've, we've actually never been to it. All the other airports we've been to, uh, a lot of for me in Asia, Alex travels a little bit more in the US because he's half American, half Brit. Uh, he has both passports. Uh, he actually spends every summer in California and has also more work in the US. I have a little bit myself, I'm mostly in New York. So besides mm -hmm. New York, I don't really work in the US. So it's, it balances quite uh, well. And yeah, last bit because, you know, people kind of get uh, confused people. Uh, I My last name is indeed Papa Dimitri. You said it very correctly at the, at the beginning, <laughs> Carlos. Uh, uh, I was actually born in Switzerland, Geneva. So my first language is French. Uh, my mother was in Finland, so that, that's two passports. My father Greek, that's three, so I have these three passports. And I also lived in Japan, in, uh, in, 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 in Tokyo. That's actually where I started the company I have now, like 12 years ago or something. And then I also lived in the Philippines, in Manila, so I, and I work uh, still quite a lot in the Southeast Asia. I also lived in Cyprus which is basically the UK with sun and less taxes, and, uh, and then moved to uh, the UK seven years ago. I've, when I was a kid, I lived in other countries, but uh, I don't want to be too long. So, yeah, and we're just lucky to travel, and we talk about it. Fantastic. In a nutshell. That was a very long nutshell. It, so. It is, it, so, so you've been doing it, did you say, since 2015? Absolutely. January 2015 was the first one, and, uh, and we tried to do every two weeks, but we have... Um, very heavy schedule. So yeah, we both are on top of our consulting yeah. uh, work. We both are also public speakers. Uh, so we are hired by companies to do public speaking around the world. And there's basically conference season, if you want, that is yeah. always uh, spring and fall. Uh, we're right in the fall, which means that we're literally, I'm literally flying every week and Alex as well. So sometimes it's just a matter to how can we record and we put a date and we try to do it. And then I try to edit super fast to actually make it so up. Get so out we, there, nowadays, yeah. we're pretty good at making every two weeks. But there's been times where we recorded every week. And there's times where we haven't been able to record for a month. So we're not very good at that, to be honest. And I've, you've shown the website I've seen on the on the stream. Yeah. I'm responsible of the show notes. And <laughs> I haven't yeah. updated them in like 10 episodes. It's really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right that's the trouble so i mean that's you're getting the excuse in early probably. yes I, yes yeah. you, you've got to admire a style haven't you really is, actually is, we, i'll say we've got some questions from the chat room yeah. haven't we now yeah, go ahead we have yes and uh, liz piper from uh, toronto paul asks you uh, what's your favorite airport or layover yeah it's interesting that she has layovers because that's our end question would you do a layover in X and Y airport. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, they're the obvious ones. You know, Hong Kong is a very easy airport to navigate and to both. You know, you have different experiences when you are doing a layover than when you are actually, you know, original destination. Hong Kong is a fantastic airport. Singapore, fantastic, fantastic airport. I will say for me, in Europe, my favorite one is Zurich. It's not because I'm Swiss, and trust me, the, the Swiss French and the Swiss German are always contentious. So they, they will not <laughs> usually like each other. Uh, we talk to English to each other, actually. Um, but Zurich <laughs> is just because it's a very 
Uh, it's what, 25 million passenger years. So it's like a medium sized airport if you want. And it's very easy to navigate super fast. I can do a connection in under 20 minutes and still make the, air, uh, the airplane, even though we are living in the UK, which means I have to clear um, immigration to enter wow. Schengen in Switzerland. So that's for me a, a very big plus and it's beautiful like minimal design. Um, my favorite in the UK is probably Heathrow Terminal 2 uh, because they really learned all the, the bad things they had done at Terminal 5 and they made it in Terminal 2. And in in the world, because I have a soft spot because I used to live there, probably Haneda, uh, because they have a little bit of everything that I like, which is, uh, first, it's really cool, easy to get there. It's pretty pretty close to the city. They have a monorail to go there. So it's also pretty, I'm a geek, so I'm a dork. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then you have... Uh, an observation de uh, deck. I always love airports that offer an observation deck because, mm. and it's really well done. You know, you have even touch screens, and they will tell you what kind of planes are in front of you, which aircraft it is, deliveries of the different aircrafts in front of you. It's really educational as well. Mm. Really cool, and you can have a drink and, and and eat there. And they have like this fake Edo village or this fake Japanese. Um, a village where you can eat sushis and buy souvenirs. It's very well done. The experience is really fun. And the, both the gates and the lounges all have also views over the aprons, over the parked aircraft. And I, I kind of like that because mm. I love airports because I can just watch the 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 aircraft. I mean, I really don't have, I really don't like airports when you have to be stuck in a, you know, room, windows less rooms, which is usually the U.S. airports. U.S. airports are very like bus stops, you know, like not really endearing. So yeah, so Haneda probably my favorite <laughs> Zurich here in, in Europe. Yeah. So let's so let's flip that slightly then. Obviously, you're saying where, where's the, your favorite place to stay if you like, you know, when you're sort of within the airport, which is your favorite, you know, on a layover. Out of all the places that you've been to, where is your favorite place to actually? Where perhaps you've had a couple of days to do some exploring. Where where is your favorite place to sort of hang out if when you're not at home? Well, I will again say Tokyo. It's and it's a cop out almost because I used to live there, so I have friends. But I've done this year. I've traveled a lot. I've, done, I've traveled more than 250,000 kilometers already, but I've done this year twice uh, layovers in Japan, in Tokyo, where I had like nine hours to connect. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so it's typically the kind of time we say, oh, I arrived very early in the morning. So the first time I arrived very early in the morning, made my way to Tsukiji Market, which is, you know, that famous fish market yeah. in, uh, in, the, uh, in Tokyo. Uh, that is about to close actually. So I also wanted to go for for one last time. Ate some sushi like at 7 a.m. Uh, then went to for some shopping and then uh, back to the airport. And the second time, I was I had to switch uh, airports. I was in Narita, which uh, is the other airport, which is a bit uh, out of the city, but it's actually also easily reachable because you have a fast uh, train link. And I took the fast train, went to that. Tokyo, Tokyo Skytree, which is that huge tower, which is the second biggest tower in the world, but it's not a, you cannot live in it. It's like a communication tower. I took some pictures, get back down, took a, a, a train to do some shopping, met a friend for a food uh, and beers and highballs. Highballs are whiskey, soda, basically. And then uh, to Haneda. And all that in eight hours, because in Japan, Trains are always on time. They run all the time. You have lockers everywhere. So when you have to carry luggages, you have still lockers uh, that you can use uh, both at airports and train stations. So you go somewhere, you leave your luggage, you're free to do whatever you want. So yeah, it's, I, I love it. And it's, it's easy, easy for me, of course, easier for me because I've used to live there. I speak a bit Japanese. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's my, probably my favorite place. But you know what? I try to do at least three different, new diff different destinations every year. This year I've done, for instance, Jakarta, 
I mean, it's one of these bursting Southeast Asian cities, which traffic is insane and drives me nuts. But it's it's always an amazing experience. I love doing these very short. My my, I, I've heard that you guys, at least two of you, maybe the three of you, love photography. Yes. So my favorite thing is, and that's why I love Asia because of simply the jet lag. Mm. You arrive there and you're basically up at night because you cannot sleep. And I take my camera and I do uh, by myself and I do photo walks and I just. Picture, you know, and a, a city at night is always amazing. So that's um, that's any city would be good for that. Mm. I've, I don't think if you had to ask me a question, is is there any city you dislike? And I would have a hard time finding one, to be frankly honest with you. Yeah. I was just about to ask you that, actually, um, Paul, because uh, Liz was asking in the, in the chat room, what what's your worst layover? Would you say <laughs> Frankfurt? <laughs> <laughs> well, but if you say it quickly, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, <laughs> Frankfurt is a toss of a coin because I've said that in our one of the recent shows. You know, I had a lot of backlash because it's really a toss of the coin. So sometimes it seems to be going super well, and you can actually make a connection. You know, Lufthansa kind of sells you these connections of like fifty minutes, which at Munich are super easy to do because Munich is very it's a square. It's very easy to do if you don't have to transfer terminals. Which if you're with Lufthansa, you stay within one. Uh, Frankfurt is, and you know, the, the, the irony for me is that if you look on their buses, they have a lot of buses, they, they, there's this uh, sticker, it says the, the hub experts. And you're like, how? How are you an hub expert? And every time I'm about to miss a connection, sometimes you're in security, sometimes you're not. Sometimes you have, one time I had to go within Schengen for two minutes go out of Schengen just to make another gate. I'm like, how does that make sense? Plus, you know, for me, it's easy for us because we have the right passport, we scan it, we enter the gate. But imagine someone who doesn't have either a Schengen visa or doesn't, or has to queue to a normal manned immigration booth. They, they cannot make their, that's, that's a stress I hate. I hate, 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 hate. Uh, the other one that I would say is really bad is Charles de Gaulle. Uh, but that depends Terminal 1, Terminal 2, but Terminal 2, that's the trick, and I've said it recently in one of the episodes. Actually, if you have a European passport or any passport that doesn't require to enter France with a visa, I always tell people do not try to do a transfer with the buses that run around the between the terminals. Actually, go out and walk. <laughs> it actually right. makes more sense. Wow, <laughs> but it's, it's still a bad. It's still a bad. Uh, you, you can feel basically, and and that's that's where I actually I criticize more. Um, uh, Frankfurt at Charles de Gaulle, you feel that some airports are made for destination and origin, and some airports are made for layovers. Like Dubai or you know, Doha, clearly they're made for layovers, and they're pretty well done because they thought that from the start. Charles de Gaulle is really an airport that is made for arriving or departing, mm -hmm. which experience is not too bad. But when you are layovering, it's like, what am I supposed to do? I'm, I am, and you guys are seasoned travelers, so we cannot. We'll figure it out. I should just clarify. They would get lost. Yeah, I should yeah. just clarify that uh, Nev and Carlos are seasoned uh, passengers. If I can stay on the ground, then I prefer to do that <laughs> if it's all humanly well, just, possible. Uh, on that subject, actually, uh, Richard King uh, just asked in the chat room, uh, what's been Paul's worst or scariest flight? Well, I'm lucky now never to have had like a, a really bad, uh, you know, like an accident or anything. I had one... Uh, um, a landing without the front gear. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that was a very long time ago. And, you know, maybe I'm just like, like that in life, but I'm like, what, what, what can you do? You are in the aircraft yeah, to yeah. tell you that, oh, you have to take the brakes position. And, and they explain you because you have the time to know that the gear wasn't going off and that we did a lot of, you know, holding patterns to dump the fuel, whatever. But 
I mean, you know, it went well. I mean, so was it scary? Yeah, it was anxious because you're like, mm. oh shit, should I need to evacuate? But actually, yeah. we landed super well. You know, they had put like this foam thing yeah. on the runway to kind of dampen the, uh, the, the impact and the pilot was super good. I didn't, I mean, I was inside, but you could feel that, I think it was a he, he was actually staying flat as, shoot, as long as he could. And, and when the speed was very low, then actually we, we went down and that was, Perfect. So was that scary? I don't know. I'm, I don't know. Otherwise, I'm trying to think there were, I used to be, you know what, I used to be more, way more scared when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, as in, there were, there would be like massive turbulences. They were like, holy shit, we're going to crash. Mm. And nowadays I'm like, oh, whatever. And at the end of the day, the thing is, I'm, it's maybe again me, but I'm there. There's no way. What can I go do? I'm gonna escape or something, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, they'll figure it out. I think mm. flying is extremely safe. Did you guys have any scary experience? Because no, the I... only one I ever had was we uh, on a way back from, um, I think it was Los Angeles, uh, on the BA seven four seven. We lost a hydraulic system, oh, but wow. you've got sort of two or three others. I mean, the amount of redundancy yeah, on the aircraft is yeah. incredible. Yeah. So uh, uh, it was met by the, the fire engines at uh, Heathrow just in case, but actually it was a non-event uh, really. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. apart from the bit of quite a lot of turbulence around the um, uh, Scandinavian areas when I used to do a lot of flying there, but mm. uh, no, uh, I would say not, not at all really. Uh, my, my only one was the one that gave me essentially the fear of flying that I now have because I used to do a lot of flying uh, like before okay. like family holidays and stuff like that and it was basically one Ryanair flight into Derry um, that where where he aborted his takeoff at Stansted uh, and then had to have another go uh, and then uh, as I say I had two aborted landings into Derry Airport uh, which was oh, yeah. was uh, as a nervous passenger is is not the way forward because you know I, I just never never enjoyed flying per se i did it because you know otherwise you you know the uk gets quite boring very fast um you know <laughs> it's just like there's all that kind of thing and those but i mean there was no you know i, I you know i i think in most cases because it wasn't particularly windy or anything i, I think it's just you know i was very unlucky it wasn't a particularly good pilot uh, i think i've, I've had uh, seven go arounds in wow that's a lot um, but actually, I I don't even consider that as an event. You know, that's just a, another no, another joy. twenty minutes of flying we can do. You know, the feeling when you pull up. You know, when you're on, on final and they have to pull up. I had that in Linate, Milan, uh, like a year ago. It's actually like a roller coaster. You're like suddenly, whoa, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> it's yeah, really, I can, I can <laughs> see that. Actually, very interestingly, I, I know we'll, we'll probably have you guys will probably have Alex. Maybe I'll come back. Uh, interestingly, because Alex told the story, and I know it. Uh, but since he told the story on our podcast, I can say. Alex, for all aviation family, for all being founding member of Virgin America, for a long time was afraid of flying. Um, wow. And I had a, and had an encounter. He tells the story. I had an encounter with someone in a flight that actually kind of Susan that. And he's also a very much proponent, and I am as well. There are a lot of airlines. So Swiss offers that. OBA has also fear of flying courses. I think they're worth it if you are very anxious. They are, they are very good at doing that. I, I was recently at a Zurich Airport waiting for a flight and at the gate mm. there was like a group of people that got prioritized to enter the flight uh that was actually the the bombardier the cs100 it was like why are they going first i wanted to take pictures but the plane <laughs> yeah, yeah, is yeah. empty you know god damn it but actually they were a group of 15 people doing a course like that yeah. and so they had like yeah. a 30 minutes headway to get into and they got an introduction about what was the you know the plane and how it work and yeah. and people applauded i applauded them at the end it was just a, you know the 30 minutes flights to uh, to geneva uh, i 
people applauded him. It's nice, and you sh I think you should do it. And some airlines offer that almost for it. It's very cheap yeah. to do, and I think it's worth it. Well, I, I mean, and my because uh, uh, Captain Al, who's a very big friend of the show, he has a little company called Flight Fear Solutions, okay. and he very kindly came over, and we sort of sat down to basically sort of you know tries to get to the root of what your you know it's essentially what your irrational fear is uh, yeah. because it's you know it's uh, uh, what it is and then as i say and then i was very lucky because our diaries couldn't line up unfortunately between me and that so actually owen who who does a lot of flying and his cabin crew himself he very kindly then took me on my like you know te teaser taster flight to see how and again that was the same thing so we did a short flight just to toulouse uh, just a you know a little sort of flight over uh, and stuff and it's uh, I think I mean I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I when I say here he found it quite interesting because obviously he's seeing people all day every day as cabin crew you know people say they've got a fear of flying and stuff and he's dealing with that when they're on the aircraft he said it was quite interesting for him to actually see how that sort of you know fear materializes as you're working your way through the airport because obviously he was traveling with me rather than like meeting me on the plane for the first time uh, and things like that so i mean it, it is it, it's um it's 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 one of those things i, I, I don't uh, i can seriously highly recommend um you know i can well i can obviously highly recommend al um uh, for someone to to help you with if you are in a bit of it you know, he's a flight flight fear solutions.com i think isn't he mm. uh for, yeah, for very good friend like of the show yeah, absolutely. And uh, I say, and I'm never ever going to be a lover of flying like you guys all are. I'm never ever going to love it like like you do. But you know, I am at least at a point where if I need to go somewhere, all right, I might get a little bit stressed about it or whatever. I may not be the best travelling companion while it's taking place, but uh, I do at least do it now rather than avoid it. I mean, I you know, I have driven somewhere rather than flown because I don't want to do it. You know, and and so it's nice to be able to just do little flights and stuff like that so we're, we're going to go back to the chat, chat room. room yeah we've uh, got um, armando you've got a yeah a we've got a question from armando in the chat room paul and um he obviously with all the amount of traveling that you do um sort of four million miles a week you do <laughs> um what has uh, what has been your favorite advancement in the travel industry and what would you like to see happen in the near future uh, look, the the one, and we mentioned it earlier in the show, the one that for me stays the most important, no matter the discomfort and all the complaints we can have, is the low-cost flying. Uh, and now the extension of long-haul low-cost flying, thanks to guys like, obviously, um, uh, Norwegian, uh, no matter if they're going to get bankrupt or not out of trying this, but <laughs> the the I, I believe, you know, at the end of the day, I want to see more people flying and having lived in Asia, especially, which is the fastest growing market for for uh, flying, for people flying because, you know, the emergence of, you know, underdeveloped country, uh, economies, going emerging economies, so everybody can sort of fly. You see, like, we don't know low cost flying. There's literally low cost everywhere in Asia and they do already fly because of the size of the sheer size of the continent. They already kind of fly like at least mid long haul if you want. And it's, uh, I love it that it's opening up. Of course, we have complaints about people, you know, running to stop, stop a Ryanair flight on the, the, the tarmac. Yeah, fine. And it's going to happen. And it's going to have some people have never traveled in their lives. And I've seen like, literally, I was in a flight in Central Asia when people were trying to get their chickens in the flight and, you know, stuff like that. You know, they've never <laughs> flown in their lives. I find it mostly endearing. I don't want, I never want to be, no matter how much I travel, I never want to be that entitled 
sorry, ass that yeah. is like, I don't want kids in business class and oh, people <laughs> should know and behave. And yeah, yeah. I don't want to be George Clooney up in the air, you know, like, uh, of course I have my techniques and I try to avoid people with strollers when I pass security because I know it's going to take time. <laughs> Clearly fine, but I'm not going to diss them. I'm going to be like, you yeah. know what? They don't, I love the fact that everybody can fly. For me, that's the most major, because I come from a middle class family. Again, I would think, okay, my father was a doctor, so I'm not saying, but we were doing all our mm. travels with a car. We were literally, you know, drive 16 hours to go to holidays. And nowadays, you can find, you can take EasyJet, or you can take Ryanair, you take Weezer, you can, you can, you can, you can cross Europe for the price of a cab fare. Yeah, it's and crazy, that's pretty, it? pretty awesome. And the it fact is. that you can now go to the US, especially the US, because we live in the UK, this is a plane cast UK, the, going to the US is still very expensive. So I'm, I'm all for Norwegian and others trying to disrupt that market and lower the pricing because I think that's how the way it should be. As for the second part of the question, the future, I'm, I don't believe in supersonic very quickly. Uh, I wish, I never had flown the Concorde. Uh, I wish I could have flown it once in my life. I never flown it. Um, I wish, uh, I don't think that electrical Airliners are also very, because I think that just the amount of batteries will be just too heavy. Uh, so it will be one passenger and 20,000 batteries to fly that. So I think the, the iteration, and that's what the industry is best for, you know, doing, that's why I love the 350. It's quiet, humidity levels are good. It's uh, the lightning makes it easier for long haul. I, this is the way for me forward. Is there a, the one thing that I will, that I really appreciate and we're seeing the kind of beginning of it is that uh, Gatwick is very good at that, that uh, use of um, electronic gates for everything. You scan, you enter, you scan, you enter, you scan, you enter everywhere. And I think that also kind of, of course, it's for cost reasons, clearly, but at the same time, kind of makes the entire experience a bit easier. If the airport is well laid out, you just can enter and that's it. And one day we'll probably have like face recognition software that allows us to not even scan, we just enter and we'll have like, you know, cameras which are fitted into like security cameras and being able to scan us all throughout. I know it's a big, big brothery, but at the same time, that bit I almost regret. I remember some of you guys also remember maybe flying pre 9 11. It was actually much easier. And now, now we have to deal with sometimes really heavy security and et cetera. So that, that I'm looking forward to. They're trying to simplify the entire process of the airport experience. Uh, the aircraft, I don't think they will change. I'm obviously very much looking forward to the 777X, and new aircraft. I always love new aircraft, which is why I'm in love with the Bombardier now, the, the CS, I mean, sorry, the Airbus A220, uh, <laughs> because I love different aircrafts, but they are, they, that's, I, I don't think we're going to see within the next 20 years because of the, the duration of the development of a program, we're not going to see certainly like, you know, um, supersonic in the next 10 years. It's going to maybe take like 30 years. So uh, in the next 30 years, I just hope that the experience on the ground is easier and maybe, maybe some regulation for the limitation of um, uh, air, 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 air seat pitch and width. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, just one uh, other question in the chat room, uh, Paul. Uh, Masha is asking, um, would you consider having a Patreon system for layovers? Because she would love to contribute. 
That's very kind, actually. We thought there's actually, you know, there's a lot of people that complain that we're not doing enough of these. And I'm sure you have the same kind of complaints as if we should be recording every single day. <laughs> it's not our job, you know. I have, yeah. uh, actually, that's we not both a problem. Have... It's not a problem we have, I have to be honest. But, there <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, so, no, the reason, no, I mean, I, I cover the costs and they're not very high. Uh, it's very kind. I'd, we'd rather actually have simply people interacting with us, whether it's a Twitter. Facebook, um, email, whatever, leaving us iTunes review. For us, it's more, we're really doing it because we're loving it, like you guys are doing. Uh, with, thank God, you know, nowadays it doesn't cost a lot. Same like low cost, you know, these things are pretty low cost to run. Uh, it's a bit of my time to edit, but besides that, so for me, the, for us, really, the appreciation is people getting us feedback and us, oh, you, or challenging us on some of our assumptions about airports or some stuff, it's fine. We had actually that critic that we always seem to be talking about business class because, again, these experiences are more memorable. Yeah. And then people were saying, yeah, but you never talk about economy. And you're like, yeah, it's true because, you know, again, we do fly economy, but they're less memorable, but we yeah. should because most people, that's how they fly. So, we, yeah, we know. So no Patreon, uh, but we'd like to have more people just interacting with us. We don't have, sadly, a system like you where we do it live so people cannot go live. Um, but I'm very uh, – thank you so much for – for being that kind with us, um, uh, with uh, I, I, do you guys do Patreon? By the way, I've never. We tried. do, yes. yeah, we do. Yeah, no, yeah. we do. It, okay. it, it, I'll, I'll give you some. Oh, very much. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and 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 of course, the amazing thing for us, obviously, because you know, uh, unfortunately, our you know, it, it's it, our listeners have been so amazing. I mean, it, yep. it's you know, everything that that's in this studio here has either been donated by or, or oh, basically wow. paid for by our amazing listeners, listeners yeah. which has yeah. given us the opportunity to literally. Be Build our own base and and sort of do, do these things. It's just it's just amazing, actually. I mean, somebody somebody was saying in the chat room here. Uh, have you thought about um, doing uh, little sort of like five ten minute videos um, yeah. uh, when you're in these various airports? I'm just trying to. Th I think it was Chris, wasn't it? Who was I think it was Chris. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. Said, yeah, like the sort of little mini kind of uh, so videos. Has, so Alex has his own. You probably know about the Alex yes. has his own Attaché, uh, yeah. travel show called yeah. Attaché, yeah. which is amazing. He's also won awards uh, yeah. best. Travel vloggers, I think twice a year for the Travel Awards in the UK or something. Cool, uh, Alex. Sorry, when you listen to that, I'm not sure exactly of the name of the awards. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, uh, you'll be in I trouble mean, for that one. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, these yeah. are travel guides, but like very modern travel guides, yeah. different take of travel guides, basically solving a bit what mm -hmm. we, Alex and I, both experience, which is very short uh, time in a city. Because we usually, for again, when for instance we were speaking. Uh, let's, I don't know, next week I'm going to Zurich. Uh, okay, I know Zurich, but I go to Zurich. I go to the hotel. I go to meet the, the client. I do the speech. I stay a little bit for the event. And then I might have like five hours in front of me. Most guides don't tell you what to do in five mm. hours. Uh, you can kind of figure out yourself a little bit, but they don't. So that these attaché videos are like the cover, the basics, the airport. And he's done a few times um, a shorter uh, attaché episodes when it's him at an airport and in an aircraft. Mm. I have the footage for at least, I don't know, one billion shows on my <laughs> yeah. iPhones and GoPros and yeah, yeah, Revel yeah. and all the cameras that I carry yeah. with me and my Leica as well. And I don't, and I never have the time to edit something out. I, I, I know it would be cool. I actually, the only way I document it is I, on Instagram, you know, these Instagram stories. Oh yeah, no, they're, yeah, they're really good. good. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. do that every time I travel, uh, I will take yeah. uh, pictures of in, in videos, in airports, in aircrafts. At first, you know, I was a bit hesitating because it's always like, oh, 
Paul is showing off that he's done, what was the last one? I don't know, 80 hides to Australia <laughs> in business class. And I'm like, yeah, clearly I'm bragging. At the same time, uh, I like people seem to be liking it. So I, I don't want to be that, again, entitled ass that says, oh, look at me, I'm here in business class. But at the same time, <laughs> such cool things, features of the seat. I'm like, hey, look at this light, look at how this yeah. works. And it's a bit, I don't know, people seem to like it. This is not uh, permanent. Obviously, these stories disappear, although I save some of them. Yeah. One day I'll do something, I wish, because I know video works very well. The, the proof is you, what you guys are doing. But I mean, I, I look at your setup and I'm like, holy, holy hell, how yeah. you have to interlay videos while we're talking. It's superb job that first I don't know how to do, and then it will require way more time that actually do <laughs> Paul, that. Paul, to be fair, if anyone can, if I can do it, mate, seriously, anyone can do it. It's, uh, it's, ah, it's, come on, don't undersell yourself. It's, it's a, a quick, I'll tell you what, a half hour chat, you and I, you'd be able to do it in your sleep, mate, I promise you. It, it, it's, it's, it's all about knowing what to get, and that's where, where, as I say, our listeners have been amazing, because obviously, yeah. you know, they, they've given us the, the, the power to be able to do what, what, and, what and we do And to do the now. stuff we do at the air shows, obviously, yeah. you know, we Absolutely. visit, visit, yeah, try yeah. and visit as many air shows yeah. we can. Uh, and then what did help? So was, cool. Then we then we met this this crazy guy uh, by the name of Sir Neville of Bounds, and um, <laughs> uh, you know, sort of things went sort of well downhill from there. Really, went didn't they? <laughs> 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 yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, look, we're going to have to start wrapping up, unfortunately. But can I, can uh, I just say before we, before we finish yeah. though, I'm, I'm I was extremely happy a few weeks ago, uh, Paul, to hear that you you guys mentioning Luca Airport in Malta. Oh dear! <laughs> Why? Because, because it's my second home. Oh, he's just obsessed. Honestly, it's just like the only, the only way that that could have been better uh, is if you'd flown there in a TriStar. That was the only no, way yeah, that, that could be more happen. perfect. Yeah. But anyway, there we are. No, Never but mind. it's been great yeah, to have you on the show. We need to cover that airport actually. So we will yeah. at some point. Yeah. I promise you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, we need to, we need to do a meet up at some point. I think. Yeah. Be good fun. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's been absolutely awesome to have you on the show, Paul. And please send our best regards to Alex as well. Yeah, and I shall. Uh, and we'll we'll definitely have you uh, both both on again, on again, yeah, if that's um, all right. Yeah. So ASAP. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's Definitely. been great to have Pleasure. you on. It was awesome, guys. I really loved it. I enjoyed. And for once, I enjoyed also just being a simple participant. You know, I can run the thing from the ground. I loved it. Actually, it's yeah. very comfortable. Yeah, Love for it. the first time ever, you can get a word in edgeways. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we go. Yeah, yeah. So that is uh, where we're going to bring the show to a close. We're going to say a massive thanks to everyone who's joined us in the live YouTube chat room this morning. Um, Everyone in there who's taken time out of their Sunday to join us. I'm sure you've all got Sunday roasts to all uh, go and eat soon at some point point today. So a big thanks to all you in the chat room. And also, we're not forgetting to say a big thanks to everyone who downloads the show each week via iTunes and Mm. Stitcher and... Oh, Podbean, and yeah. uh, there's just lots of different. Actually, ways to one thing we have forgotten to do, uh, Paul. Please do give uh, your yes. website a plug. How do they find the Leos if they're I stuck? The, if they're stuck under a stone and they aren't <laughs> familiar with it, how do they find it? I think the easiest way is simply to Google Layovers Podcast, and you'll find. Again, the website is sadly not really well updated. Uh, my fault, <clears throat> but uh, you'll find all stuff. the shows is there yeah. on SoundCloud, yeah. iTunes, Stitcher, Ake, everything. Just yeah. Layovers. So any. About Podcast app. Yeah. There's no video, it's just audio. Search for layovers, otherwise simply Google layover podcast on, yeah. on, on Google and you'll find it. And, and you'll find our names because mine is impronounceable, as you know. <laughs> That's also my Twitter <laughs> handle, so it's impossible to write down correctly. So you just Google it, you'll end up finding Except me at some point. You'll, you'll find it, Actually, yeah. you know what I do on the side of who I 
which we'll do in another episode. But honestly, thank you guys. It was amazing. Uh, Excellent. Thank you so very much for coming on. I know. It's, it's been good. It's been a good, damn good discussion. It today, has. I feel, Absolutely. I feel on the show. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So that is where we bring episode number 236 of the show to a close. Uh, don't forget to uh, send us some feedback, audio feedback into the yeah, show, yeah, podcast absolutely. at com. Send us in your feedback. And also, uh, yeah, don't forget to uh, check out the website and you can buy yourself a PTUK t-shirt if you want uh, to. They're still there for sale wow. if you want to grab yourself a PTUK yeah. t-shirt. Mugs coming very soon, by the way. Uh, hopefully, hopefully some mugs coming weeks, soon, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, take yourselves over there and have a look at the website. And yep. hopefully we'll be back again next week. Um, I am not going to be able to make next Friday, so I don't oh, know. Uh, we're going to have to arrive. <laughs> Orange, <laughs> okay, something Nev, somewhere. This is far too far too irregular occurrence, isn't it? I don't know if I we, know. Yeah, we're so gonna... I, I'm making notes. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, good, okay, good. I'm pleased okay. to <laughs> absolutely unavailable. But yet uh, again. we will obviously yeah. be posting when we'll be. Yep, I, I expect uh, the we'll guys will probably anyway. probably do the show yeah. either with me or without me at some point oh, next weekend. Dear. But uh, keep Not your eyes again. on <laughs> social media. Yeah. So that's it then, guys. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your day. And take care wherever you are in the world. And uh, obviously keep your eyes to the skies because that's where the best things are. Absolutely. So for me, Carlos, it's a huge goodbye. Uh, Everybody say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.